What up, everybody? It's your boy, Nick Caputo, and we are here for Grub from the Garden podcast, episode eight with Wallace again. And today we are going to talk about another really interesting, really uh, esoteric, but logical concept. So uh, welcome, Wallace. Great to have you back on here, my guy. Thank you so much again. I'm just so grateful to be here again and share some knowledge. Of course, always a pleasure. So uh, this episode is sponsored by Wallace Jewelry. Uh, So I do some jewelry for my family humanity. It could be silver, gold. I even have some copper. If you want to put some conductive material on your temple, I do everything custom. You just contact me on Instagram. I'll make some sketches for free. And then I'll ask you some questions to get to know you a little bit better. And then I will make a custom piece of jewelry just for you and send it worldwide. So wherever you are in this world, listening to this podcast, and you want the custom jewelry, ancient style, you contact me, your brother Wallace. Okay, let's get started. So Wallace, what is our topic for today? Ooh, I would call this our, our home, our universe, our earth. Yes, sir. Yes. A beautiful so, We have a lot to cover. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of information to go over. So oh, yes. uh, where where do we want to start? Where do you want to start? I, I know think, you have some stuff prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think um, we should start by seeing where the programmation entered our brain. So the people that are still in that state, in that place, thinking that this uh, we live on a tilted ball that spin at a thousand miles per hour, orbit the sun at sixty-six thousand miles per hour, and float, fly, move through space at four uh, five uh, hundred forty thousand miles per hour. For those people, it's okay. It's normal because the first class we enter in school, there's a teacher in front that doesn't know shit. And she has a globe on her desk and that programmation enter her brain and go really deep into her subconscious. And from that moment, we're probably like four or five or six years old. We think we live on a ball earth because we start playing with that globe and then pointing, uh, pointing her finger on a certain country and saying, I'm going to travel there. So the programmation is really, 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 really deep. So to unprogram, you need to be ready to unlearn, to relearn the real stuff. So be open. Listening to this episode, you need to be open. And just listen, forget about all the mainstream, forget about science, forget about and use logic and just listen to our vibration, talking and sharing information with you guys. For sure. I want to distinguish a definition here for everyone. Science. Science is an observation of the natural world. It's an intellectual application of an observation of the world right in front of you. So everything that we are presenting to you is scientific information and it has been observed and conclusions have been drawn by living here. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. There's one thing that, that a lot of people forget in science, but experimentation and visualization are like the most important part of science. It's not theory, it's not uh, literature, 
it's really observation and that i think you and i nick we look at the sky we look at the stars we observe the the sun daily open eyes the moon same thing and then for for earth we can look at all of those again the clouds and we have a lot of information over there so if we use it logically and make one plus one and not just believe blindly some authorities like NASA because they, they tell us, trust me, because I have this technology that costs millions of dollars. Nobody can replicate what we are doing, but just trust me, trust me. This is really dangerous because everything scientific or everything of this nature of this universe should be easy to understand to understand, sorry. And it should be easy to replicate. So this is what we are about to, I think, share with you guys. Some easy stuff that if you have two eyes and you're able to open them, you will be able to use them and see what we are talking about. For sure. Yes. Okay, so what do we want to get into first? All right, let's dive in. So I like to start... Um, from my point of view, because I would say a year ago, I was still believing that we live on a ball earth. So um, my story is a little bit uh, special. I, I started to be open to everything. I was always someone who questioned everything. But then I was questioning every single thing except this, because I didn't saw the meaning. And at one point I was living in the little apartment and there was one people that uh, one guy that contacted me one day and told me, "Hey, Will, I see you. You're uh, seeking the truth. Look into flat Earth." I'm like, "Dude, you're crazy." I'm like, "I know this is not true. This is a lie. This is a lie." But flat Earth, like, you're crazy. So then I just say, "Okay, yeah, think what you want to think." The next day or two days after, another guy contacted me and told me, "Hey, do you know who is Eric Dubay?" And I said. Eric Dubé, no, I don't know. I'm studying uh, like Victor, uh, Victor Schoberger uh, with uh, hydrology. And uh, I was studying a lot on Nikola Tesla and um, uh, Victor Grebenikov at that time. So I said, no, I don't know who is Eric Dubé. And I think it was the same day another person contacted me with again with the Eric Dubé. So that was the universe pushing for me to go and see Eric Dubé. And as soon as you go and see Eric Dubé on YouTube and you are someone who thinks logically, you are open and you listen, you just listen, you eventually come to the conclusion, man, okay, this is probably a lie. And then when you deep, uh, dive deeper into the research, you just get to the same conclusion, man. We don't live on a ball, on a tilt ball spinning orbiting the sun and flying through space. No, that's not how it is. There's a thousand, or maybe I go a little bit too big, but there's hundreds of easy proof that show us that we live on a flat earth, static, non-moving, and the stars are rotating over us. The sun and the moon are rotating over us. So it's a, it's a hard... Um, the program to reprogram that we are doing right now. For sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, my story is a little bit different. I was on the fence about it for a pretty long time, going back and forth, um, because I was totally in alignment with knowing that literally everything is bullshit that we learned. And I, was, you know, I still have that mentality. It's like if they told me something in school when I was a kid, I now automatically just assume that it's the opposite of true. Yes. Um, but for a long time, you know, I was still trying to figure out each individual circumstance individually. And this was one I was on the fence between like, this could be like a controlled opposition type thing. And a lot of people mm-hmm. do give this argument. It's like, okay, the flat earthers, you know, that's there to distract people from like the real shit. And this is like just one in, you know, unimportant, random, trivial thing that distracts people who are looking for truth and conspiracy to like the real shit. And (laughs) I mean, I heard that from so many people and honestly almost like started to like think that way myself um, and kind of not really dive too deep into this topic for a while. Um, I want to say it was like two years ago or three years ago when I first met Taylor Budd um, in person, we had a conversation about cosmic egg theory and about uh, the earth being flat. And that was like the first real conversation that I ever had with somebody where points were made where I was like, okay, that's, that's pretty fucking good. <laughs> that actually makes, <laughs> makes sense. I, I was like, you, you kind of got me on a couple things. So I was still like on the, on the fence for it for a while. I mean, obviously like the moon landing and a bunch of other shit was like, oh, so sketchy, yeah. obviously fake. Uh, just believing anything that nasa says and knowing that cgi is a thing you know being someone in the digital creativity world for a while and you know like i could create a fucking cgi picture of the earth if i wanted to um you know they make like even the 360 gopros now like i could turn anything into a 360 shot like so easy and make it look like a globe it's it's easy as fuck (laughs) Um, so i mean that like the pictures don't really prove shit um, you know, people being like up at high altitudes. I mean, it's like, you're still in the firmament. So like a lot of things still, you know, that I didn't have explanations for a while ago through just observing my life and putting thoughts into things and being an avid sun gazer, I would say more than anything, like if you're an avid sun gazer, you can't believe in round earth. Like, no, you can't <laughs> because the more that you look at the sun every day and just actually like look at it and pay attention to it and spend, you know, 45 minutes to an hour looking at the sun every day, you notice differences and you notice different things throughout like the year and throughout different months and seasons and yes. how the sun, you know, affects different things. And it's just so obvious that we're not, it, we're not spinning around it. <laughs> it's so obvious it's not 93 million miles away. It's oh, so fucking obvious. <laughs> I, I, I just had a memory. Like I was a kid and I was driving from Ottawa to Montreal and I was looking at the sun and then I was like getting like in what they call outer space and looking at, at everything. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, what the fuck? So the sun is in the center right now. And I'm, I was I was a kid and I was trying to figure out like, why, why it's there. It, it feels like it's moving over us, man. But the sense or sense, if we trust our sense more and we stop trusting an entity, you, eventually you find the truth. Yeah, go by what you see and less what you hear. Yeah, exactly. So um, there's one thing I I heard it a lot when I was a kid. It was like the the ship thing. You go in the ocean and then you see a ship, and then it, it departs from the the coast and it go far into the horizon, and then eventually you lose the bottom of the ship, and then you lose half of the ship, and then uh, two third of the ship. 
And then eventually you lose the ship completely. And the people that were telling me this, or maybe it was in the mainstream, they were saying, this is the proof. The ship just went over the curvature. So then for a while it made sense because I think it was also in a history, like a guy looking at the sea and seeing a ship arriving and then eventually you see the ship completely and he says, that's the proof that there's a curve. But I was lucky enough to study in, in architecture for four years and we learn about the law of perspective. It's not the perspective as if like a, look at this blanket and then you look at this blanket and I look at this blanket and we have a different perspective of what this blanket is. Not this. There's really a law of perspective, meaning yeah, every art back in the day too. We'll yeah, everything, everything with a vision. So our eyes, a camera, a telescope has a different perspective, has a different uh, focal point that everything after that focal point, further that, than that focal point, you won't be able to see. So there's a new camera that just came out, I think it was a year ago, called the Nikon, Nikon P900. It can zoom something like 67 times or it's really strong. So the focal point of that camera is further than our eyes. So let's say you go at the beach, you take a ship that, that goes the uh, perpendicular can you say that perpendicular yeah to you and it goes completely the other way in the at the horizon eventually you will lose it from your eyesight because it passed your the focal point of your eyes but then you use that camera the Nikon P900 and you zoom in you will find the ship again and when you lose it in the camera it's because it's over the focal point of the camera then you use a telescope, you zoom in, and then you will find the ship again. You will never, never lose the ship over the curvature because there's no curvature. It doesn't exist. Yeah, you can actually also even do this with the sun. When the sun is setting or departing, you can, yep. you can use the Nikon camera or a telescope to then see the sun after. Find it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's just it's just rotating over us. It's not really setting and going under us. Like, oh my god, it's, it's a concept. No, we'll get we'll get into that more when we talk about the sun later. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, that's a good one. The curvature. Um, and yeah, there's like, this. You could talk about water finding its level. Oh yeah, just water. If for any of you uh, brothers and sisters listening who has <laughs> a drop of logic in their thinking. If you use the physics of water, you will see that it doesn't make sense. So let's see how water um, live in our universe. Water always find its level. It's always level. Even if you tilt a bottle, the water will find its level. Water is always level, point, period. And then the other um, aspect of water is it needs a container to hold in place. For any of you ball earthers thinking that we are crazy thinking that the earth is flat, I would please uh, ask you to show me a ball that holds water. Make water old than a ball. If you're able to do this, you send me a video and then we talk. 
but water it's bigger it's bigger <laughs> yes i know that's one thing that they say that's why it makes oh, sense it's because it's big. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's the that's the question of gravity now because gravity doesn't exist also yeah. they say it's because it's so big and i'm like bro well, why doesn't hold the fucking clouds then? <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah i i saw you post this that makes that makes sense also and i was like Dude, so any force in the universe oh, doesn't appear because it's a tiny scale or a way bigger scale. There's no new force that appear when we go super huge scale or microscopic scale. The forces are the same. So if gravity really exists, it means I should be able to replicate an experiment in my lab or in my home and see the same thing. And what they say gravity is, they say a giant mass that produce that will attract it's so big that it start to create that magical force that it's called gravity and start to attract so then you just scale everything down and you should be able to replicate but no one is able to prove gravity because it doesn't exist there's no gravity there's only density and buoyancy exactly and let's uh let's give an example of something that you can replicate at a bigger mm -hmm. size and smaller size So one would be water finding its level and needing a container. Yes, true. <laughs> you can replicate it at any size. <laughs> take a pool and then take a water bottle. That is yeah, doable. Exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and then we can also say um, the sun with, uh, with what we were just talking about before we got on here. When yes. we get to the sun and we talk about the sun versus the flashlight example. Man, this um, is the best so one yet. That's another one you can still replicate at a smaller, in a smaller sense. This is a good one. Another one that I've done in uh, when I was in Canada. So the example of the ship um, uh, on the sea, and then eventually you lose it because of the law of perspective. This you can also replicate. So um, what I was using as my medium to uh, do the experiment because you need a flat surface because water always becomes flat, flat. Even if there's some wave, you go at the bigger scale and it's perfectly flat. It always eventually calms. Yes, exactly. So what you can do is you find a soccer field that is synthetic, so plastic grass, and then you do the same experiment, but you bring your eyes to the level of the field, so you lay on your belly, And then there's a person in front of you, standing right in front of you, like at, at the top of your head, and ask that person to just walk completely straight until the other side of the field. And eventually you lose their feet and you'll see half of their uh, calf. So uh, just imagine you continue walking forward and the field was straight all the time. Eventually you lose that person completely because he's out of your focal point. Or the other, the other point, if you find the street, uh, the street, I cannot guarantee that it's perfectly flat, but when there's light poles on the side of the street and the street looks really flat, the last pole at the end of the street, it's not smaller. It's not a smaller post. It's just your focal point. You will see all the lines are going to one point in your vision. And the last pole is the same size as the light pole that, that is right next to you it's just really far and close to your focal point yeah and then you still can't see past your focal point and if you exactly. were to, if you were to see count the amount of fucking telephone poles that you you can see and then <laughs> you go with a telescope and there's more te there's more telephone poles 
or yes. with, with a Nikon, you will see more of them. Yes, exactly. It just never stops. It's just the vision. Everything with a vision has a focal point. And everything past that focal point, you cannot see. So then you need a stronger instruments. The eyes are really powerful technology. Like it's really impressive when you when you look at you looking through your eyes and you see all the details that your eyes are able to see. And then you look in, in a phone, you're like, fuck, man, my eyes are so powerful. But still on the distance uh, side, on the distance aspect of the eyes, it's powerful, but not that much. Like just the Nikon P900 is stronger. But detail-wise, yeah. fuck, man, the yeah. eyes. Oh, my especially God. when you fast, bro. Especially when you fast or like. Oh, yeah. The, all the senses. Yeah. When you give yourself sensory overload, like with like mushrooms or acid or something, it's like you or, you know, when you dry fast for two weeks, it's like the same you see everything. You see stuff that you don't even otherwise know is there. But it's all there all the time. Yes. And I mean, as far as adjusting the light goes, a camera will never be able to do what our eyes can do. Like if you stare at the sun long enough, you'll be able to see past all of the light and adjust to the light coming at you and see the source of the light, which is the black sun. A camera will yes. never be able to do that. Yes, we talked about this the other day when I was yeah. in the San Cristobal. For me, like for the people that are listening and want to do the experiment, I tried with my two eyes. So, so I sun gaze every day, but I tried with my two eyes looking at it and then the regular like uh, pink and then purple and then eventually the white circle. But it takes a really long time for all the colors to get out and just see the white. And I wasn't able to see the black sun until I, I close one eyes and I put like my hands as a telescope and then eventually it turned black. Mm. So that was impressive. I was like, what? Like I never saw it that way. I thought white was the source of light, but it makes sense that black is the source of everything. Yeah, because if you think about it, right, you have the color scale, you have white at the bottom and then pink, red, orange, yellow, green, you know, indigo, yes. violet, and then you have ultraviolet, which is black. Mm. So, so because as you go up the colors, the higher frequency colors, it gets darker. And then mm. black is the darkest. So if you take some of the some of the violet, some of the ultraviolet out of the ultraviolet, you get violet, which is purple. And then you take some of the purple out of the some of the black out of the purple and you get blue. Mm. So it's like as you you know, the the black, if you combine every color combined. You don't get yep. white. If you take white paint, like let's say you take infinity, right? And add anything to infinity. What do you get? Damn, infinity, infinity plus one. If you add white paint with, if you add like purple paint to white, what do you get? Not white. No. But if you add, if you add some purple paint to a lot of black paint, the black, black. will eat up the purple. So true. Wow. Yeah. It feels as if black is stronger than white. That's it would take, sure. it would take a lot of something like yellow, you know, a, a significantly lower frequency color. But you see yellow is close to white, really close to white. Yeah. So then what would happen is when you mix the two, let's say you mix yellow or green, like a light green or a pink or a red with black. What's happening is now it's taking some of the black out of the black. The black is, is giving away some of its wholeness in order to merge 
with the other color, with the, low, the lower frequency color. Just mm -hmm. like when you eat a food and that food lacks minerals, you have to give away some of your wholeness to make that food whole so you can merge with it. This is the concept behind everything that you, know, you consume or everything that you merge with will take from you what it lacks. Makes sense. The black, the, oh, dark, darkness is the source of all light. Yes. And all light is just fragmented darkness. And that's, you know, the whole concept behind like space isn't a thing because there's no empty space. The darkness is a thing. The darkness is everything, not nothing. Yes. And uh, that's another, that's also in this subject because outer space doesn't exist. We cannot, we cannot go there. Like they, that, that guy, uh, Elon Musk is a Freemason, like really that's high Freemason. And he's playing with your mind, guys. There is no Mars colonization. There is no outer space. Mars there is, is no not a place. Mind. There is no what? Mars is not a place. Yeah, Mars is not there. a place. You can't go there. We, we will get into this because Mars is, is not a planet. Like everything that we call a planet, every ancient civilization call them wandering stars because when you look up in the sky and you are living in the jungle and you are a astronomist you understand what's it, what's happening and you see all the stars are fixed spinning rotating around one star that is called polaris over the north pole but there's some stars weirdly or beautifully that are moving independently from all the others and those are the one that we call planets today but they are actually just wandering stars so you cannot land on them you cannot land on the moon you cannot colonize uh, those planets it's it's just they are playing with your mind thinking that oh, there's other form of life out there we are so tiny you're just a crumble of bread just do your little piece of shit life and then die and that's it but that's not the thing you are the whole universe we are the center of the universe we are the universe you are a god and a goddess as soon as you understand that your temple has so much more to give you Yeah. And I mean, on that concept of like there being life out there, like think about it this way, like there is life infinitely on an infinite scale, bigger and smaller than us. So like literally on the, the tip of the speck of like one of the hairs on your nutsack, there is infinite, infinite <laughs> realities, infinite of everything, infinite <laughs> organisms living on that speck of that hair on the edge of your nutsack. And yeah. this entire world, as we know it, could be one cell on the hair of the nutsack of something else. Yes, yes, yes. Oh man, I agree with this. <laughs> it's just, I it's just. I think I a visual today that was pretty cool. It was just like a, you know, like a, like an animation of cells, right? And all the cells are together. And like one of the little cells is saying like, you know, I wonder if there's life outside of there. And he's like, nah, no fucking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, I get what you mean. It's just a, We don't know. Like uh, that's a uh, quite a big question. Like, what is this? Like, uh, and it's like, is the firmament a cell membrane? Yeah. And then, okay, so that's another question: Is the firmament over the land that we are living inside of Antarctica, or the firmament is just a hundred times bigger 
and then Antarctica, Antarctica, Antarctica is just a tiny piece inside. Like, what is it? Is, is it is it Antarctica a ring or is it just infinite? Like, there's so many questions that uh, only uh, we don't know for ourselves because we haven't seen it. This yeah, exactly. Ponder because yes. you know if you try to pull up to Antarctica, you're getting meat with with. <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of firepower in your face. <laughs> Just this should be a red flag for every truth seeker. Exactly. Why we cannot explore our own world? Oh, they will tell you it's too cold. That's my problem. It's cold in, in the North Pole. It's fucking cold just in Quebec and Canada. They don't and they take they... that same shit in and they replicate that nonsense in smaller and bigger scales too. They don't let you yeah. search Antarctica. They don't let you drive a car without a seatbelt on. Exactly. You exactly. Know? It's Stop. all I didn't ask for security. I didn't ask for safety. Let me live. So this is my world. This is this is the the jungle over there. This is the ice wall over this there. This is another thing that that they get us with too. With like your parents signed you up for it when you got a birth certificate yeah. and when you applied as an employee of the corporation. So it's like, you know, that's a whole different conversation for a whole different yeah. day. We but should like, do a podcast just on this because I want to I want to learn more about this. This is a whole pillar of the Caputo method of holistic ease, sovereignty. I mean, this topic that we're talking about today is included in the same pillar as that shit. Okay. It's all about freedom. You gotta know, you gotta free yourself from the schools of thought, from the from the mental prisons as well as the physical prison. Yeah, because I why, when I uh, split up with my ex girlfriend, I went to Cali. I was building another project called Pulmo. It was a um, it was a city on the ocean, and I started to learn about some laws after 200 kilometers away from the coast the national waters there's no laws over there so mm -hmm. then that's something really interesting for me because i wanted to build a city away from the the laws and everything but now the universe is just removing all the system shit from me so i got stolen in the in san cristobal i don't have any cards anymore now uh, i cannot even contact my accountant in canada Uh, there's many things that are happening right now. Like I cannot go back to Canada right now. I don't plan to go back to Canada, but I feel like the universe is pushing me to go in nature more and more. But yeah, let, let, <laughs> let's stick on the subject. Yeah, back to business. Back to, back to business. Yes. Okay. okay. So let's give uh, some more example for the people to question and open their mind about the possibility that they are living on a flat and static world earth yeah one other thing i want to mention is that the term flat earth makes it seem like it's a piece of paper we're not yes. saying that there's not mountains and that there's, yeah, there's no difference in altitude <laughs> i just yeah. because <laughs> somebody will say it yes just, just making sure that that is clear that that is not what we're <laughs> there is You know, sea level where water yeah. finds its level, and there are yes. things that go above and below that. But that yes. level is where the foundation of what we're talking about here—that is Total. the flatness, sea level. Total. Yes, there's texture. Mount Everest is a real mountain; like you can go up. <laughs> <laughs> so there's—I'll go by. Uh, I have like nine points here. Um, so the horizon will always appear flat. So an eye level. So let's go. Let's say you go on a um, what they are called F floating balloon, like a hot air balloon. Yeah, hot air balloon. 
if you go up in a hot hot air balloon and the earth was actually a ball uh, the more higher the higher you go the lower the horizon would go so you would need to look down eventually at the horizon but you go up in that hot air balloon and the horizon always stays flat and high level to you so that's one proof that uh, then there's the water this and you know, is another like, thing too with the, with the going up in altitude and looking at the horizon yep things that you lose over the horizon that that perspective that focal point still applies so the yes. same thing will always. happen if you lose something in the distance like if you're in the air and an airplane is flying directly in front of you you yep. can still see it with a telescope or with a Nikon where you wouldn't be able to see it with your eyes. 100%. At whatever altitude you go. Regardless, you know, because if there was a curvature, that wouldn't be a thing. And also, you yes, exactly. would have to fly downward to account for that curvature as they go Okay. And they, okay. they don't do that. We're, we're skipping ahead. We're skipping ahead. No, no, no. That's good because that actually brings me to the, the second point. So let's say a, because I have a friend. Okay, it's it's... It's not really far, but it will seem uh, far when I say it. The, I have a good friend of mine in Canada. His mother uh, has a new boyfriend, and uh, her boyfriend is a commercial pilot. He's been doing this for 30 years. He does only the longest flight. So we ask him tons of questions, like, and he, he's like, he thinks the, the earth is a ball, but he doesn't really open up his eyes because he told us so many answers that if he just listened to his answers, he would see like, oh shit, that doesn't make sense. First of all, the official map that they are using is, flat. is a flat, flat static map. They <laughs> like they never take care of the curvature. They never take care of the spin. They don't care about this because it, it's not there. It's just flat and static. Then... Uh, when you use the model of NASA with the ball Earth, it says that every 10 kilometers, there is a drop of eight meters making what they call the curvature. So this means when you're taking a flight, it means that the uh, pilot would need to correct down their trajectory every 10 kilometers to go down eight meters to follow the curvature and 10 kilometers is like fucking two seconds man it's like this well, they were going just flying down at the ground <laughs> yeah it would be like 10 kilometers 10 kilometers 10 kilometers <laughs> so 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 if you do the math if bro. you do the math in 30 <laughs> minutes if you don't correct down your trajectory you would be in what they call outer space so that doesn't make sense also. And if you do if you do correct the trajectory, you would be blown the fuck up on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you go see the pilot, you go see the pilot, you say, hey man, correct down your trajectory, man. We're fucking heading to space. And you just go, <laughs> dirt naps all around. Yes, that's not a good idea. So yeah, the physics of water always flat, needs a container. Um, high level, I said this every 10 kilometers. Oh, there's another really um, good example. I don't know if there's some people living in Italy right now. If you are in uh, Genoa, Italy, you will go to the beach and you will see uh, four islands. One called Elba, one called Gorgona, 
one called Di Capria and one called Corsica. They are from 80 to 125 miles away from the coast. So if you do the math, uh, it's a uh, man, I don't know how much this is in kilometers, but if you do the math, it would be impossible to see those islands because they're way too far and there's a way too big curvature for you to see them. But the fact is you can see all four islands, even the furthest that is Corsica, that is 125 miles away. So there's many experimentation that you can do with your eyes that you can do in the physical with not a big budget. There's many also like uh, on YouTube, they get deleted really fast, but some people like you and me, Nick, that just get a uh, hot hair balloon or before I left Canada, I bought some army supply from Russia. I was a little bit uh, crazy. I bought four weather <laughs> balloons. So they are gigantic weather balloon that you fill with helium. And I was about to do an experimentation. And uh, there's many people that, that do this, this experimentation, but it gets deleted. Just buy a good camera that can reproduce really similarly the view site of a human. So it, there's no distortion, there's no fisheye. Like like a prime lens. Yeah, and then just send the balloon in, in the air and you will see eventually, man, it's just flat. And then the, the camera starts spinning and then it's just flat, 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 flat everywhere. I was about to do this, but then I left Canada. But that, that's one experimentation. If you have a little bit higher budget, you can do. Um, okay, another thing. I said I studied in architecture. So I have many friends that are architects. I have many friends that are engineers. Not one take into account the curvature when they do construction of canals, of tunnel, uh, tunnels, bridges, railway, nobody takes into account the curvature. And if it was real, it would be a major point. It would be a disaster a, uh, if they weren't fine. Yeah. Imagine, man, it's eight meters per 10 kilometers. That's a big component, a big factor. So nobody takes into account uh, this when they build a gigantic bridge. They don't take into account the curvature. Never because it doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. Um, point number curvature while we're on curvature. What? Anything else on curvature before we move on? Yeah, it's actually, it's actually this right here. The, the Suez Canal connecting the Mediterranean and the Red Sea is 100 miles long without any lock. So, you know, the lock when they just rise the level of the water, drop yeah. it down. Without There's no, so it's just straight. So it's undisturbed. The curvature was never taken into, um, into like a factor when they built the canal. It's just 26 feet deep and they went straight ahead. And then they made the canals and they needed to be precise because there was gi gigantic um boats that are passing over there so they just went 26 feet deep straight whoo, 100 miles no curvature no nothing and there you go you have the suez canal connecting the mediterranean and the red sea so that's another proof right there hmm. then um yeah we talked about the the pilots correcting their trajectory going down <laughs> uh, they would be in space 
Um, oh, that was a funny one that I that I ask everyone. It's like a, a quick one that um, just get their brain thinking. So I say, I say, a helicopter is like a drone, but on a bigger scale. So let's let's do the experiment with the two scales. I'm on a train. A train is moving forward at 100 miles per hour, for example. The train has no roof. And I have a drone in the train. I lock the drone on the y-axis. And I decide to go up from my seat. I'm sitting in the train. The train go forward. And I lock the drone on the y-axis. The drone goes up. So as soon as he's out of the train, the train is going forward. So the drone is going backward because he is locked on the y-axis. <clears throat> then let's scale up the experiment. I have a helicopter. I decide to go up on the y-axis. I decide to go, I don't know, uh, 300 meters in the air. Then after an hour, they say that the earth spin at 6,000 miles per hour. So after an hour waiting in the air, if I come back down, I should be 600 miles away from my starting point. Hmm. And, then, and then people say, they, because I already know the answer, because I asked that question to so many people, they say everything too. Yes, exactly. They, <laughs> they say everything spin with the earth. So I go, all right, so tell me how the, the clouds are moving uh, east if the earth is supposedly spinning west. And then that's the end of the conversation right there. Or there's another question. Okay, so then when does it stop to spin with the earth? Does the universe spin with the earth? Like, And then they say, oh, I don't know the number. And I say, yeah, you don't know the number. And even the astrophysician of NASA, they don't know the number. Because guess what? It doesn't it's exist. True. Yeah, it doesn't exist. When it doesn't make sense, when there's no answer, simple answer, it's because it's not true. Don't try to make up the lie uh, more force, complicated. To force theory. Yes, when to force theory. Reports that the theory is false. It's okay yes. for the theory to be false. <laughs> the whole totally. point of the theory isn't to prove that you're right. It's to it's see just... if something is true or not. That's the whole point. That's why it's a theory. It's supposed to be tested and conclusions are supposed to be drawn. Only yes. when it is proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that every single time you replicate or reciprocate the yes. or replicate the testing of that theory it consistently yields the same result over and over again like uh -huh. water finding its level does it then become a law uh-huh like perspective <laughs> yes that's, and one thing i really like to when i'm in conversation and i feel like okay nobody here knows about flat earth I start to say, instead of saying gravity, I start to say, yeah, the theory of gravity. Like, uh, yeah. And suddenly, it's because people call it a law because Isaac Newton called it a law. Yes. Like, so they, when they you told us bring that, it back to the theory, suddenly they're like, oh, yeah, it's still a theory. Yeah, it's still a theory. Yeah. It's not a scientific law. It is still a theory because <laughs> it can be fucking disproven. Yes, and the theory of gravity, it's its so false because for me, it's really easy. I, I know a little bit about the chemistry and geology, and I ask people, if you think gravity exists, then you need to explain to me why a air balloon will go down, a helium balloon will go up. 
why a pumice rock will float and why all the other rocks will sink. If you explain this to me, then we can have a conversation about gravity. But I see say the same thing about why do I float in water when I'm yep. full of air? When I take an inhale, why do I float? And then when I exhale, I think. Yes. It's density. Exactly. Because it's yeah. density and buoyancy. If yes, you're denser exactly. than your surroundings, you sink. If you are uh -huh. less dense than your surroundings, you float. So the same thing applies to atmosphere. <laughs> Because what is atmosphere other than denser ocean? The only difference between Man, the ocean and the atmosphere ocean. is density. It's just water is just less, it's denser air. So like, <laughs> we're heavier than air. We're denser than air, which is why we yep. sink in atmosphere. But, you know, some of these yogis who don't eat and don't consume any earth element and, you know, yep. spend a lot of time dealing with just the breath and without drinking or eating beca can become lighter than air in their meditation and actually, you know, become buoyant in atmosphere and float yes yes Acoustic levitation you know the the sound frequency just uh-huh messing with the density of the object to the point where it can float in atmosphere totally totally and uh, i have a funny story about this thing the what why don't fish sink <laughs> <laughs> imagine imagine seeing a fish sinking oh fuck i'm being pulled by the ground on the ground walking on the ocean floor <laughs> Yeah, start to grow some legs. Ah, oh, fuck it, I'm not a fish. Anymore. Someone explain to me why birds don't don't sink in Africa. Oh man, they're yeah, it's dense. like they're less oh, than you know how heavy a bird is. They're yeah. as fuck. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah, there's one that hit my this window right here the other day. Uh, <laughs> I I posted on my Instagram and I I made a dream. Oh man, what was it? Oh yeah, I posted a story the day before of a bird dying because he touched a, uh, a transformer on a pole and then the next day i make a dream i wake up and then i hear Pop! and there's a bird that hit my window and i had to bury him but yeah it's super super light it's like nothing i was like uh, not experiencing with him but like i was like looking closer because it's rare that you can have a, a fresh bird like right there yeah you go. yeah so i was looking at everything like is 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 a wings composition how the wings uh, opens and close and man it's really impressive but one thing is it's super light it's almost nothing it floats in atmosphere it's it's lighter yes, than, exactly. it's lighter than air itself yes and what we call air those three letters a i r are actually seven different gas and it's mostly nitrogen. It's like 71% nitrogen, yeah. then 28% oxygen, then 1% argon, and, and then, then there's carbon dioxide. And then like yes, after and, that you're yeah, at 0.5% like exactly. or 0.05% after that. Yeah, then there's trace amounts of four other gases. So yeah. it's always relative. elements make up 99 point like something, 99.5 or something of the air. The what? Those five main elements, carbon, yes. hydrogen, uh, or, yeah, carbon, nitrogen, hydrogen, and oxygen, and argon. Those yes. five, not in that order. Um, no, no. And those are also, like, uh, with the exception of argon, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, and oxygen, the four main elements that make up 96% of your body. So when people tell me, uh, how do I get protein 
which are all made of amino <laughs> acids, which are all made of carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, and oxygen, which already make up 96% of your body and 99% of the air. Yeah. Where are you lacking any of these things? <laughs> you are protein. They're fucking everywhere. <laughs> oh. Where are you not getting protein? <laughs> <laughs> That's a question, yes. Stop taking protein. You are protein. Stop eating glue, guys. Yes. Blue is and, not uh, food. So I have a funny story because I was in San Cristobal in Chiapas in Mexico like a month ago. And I meet that guy. I'm I'm going to my yoga practice in the morning. My yoga practice is done. I come back down. I start talking with the woman at the entry. And then there's a group of people uh, coming in the entry and we start talking. And eventually, I don't know how this subject came but I see everyone listening to me and I go, okay, I'm, a, I'm about to say something because I feel the thought coming into my brain. And I say, I'm about to say something, but I feel like all of you are not uh, on the same page. So I will say it, but uh, if you guys don't want to go into the conversation, just let me know. So then I say, our world is flat. And, and then they all start to laugh and blah, blah, blah. But there's that one guy that was passing by he went to university in uh, physics. So then he turned around and he goes, no, you're crazy. And I go, do you want to have that conversation? And he says, yes. So then he says, man, I, I was in, in university like uh, in physics. So I know like my stuff. And I say, man, I wasn't in university in physics. And that's actually why I understand it. So let's have that conversation. So then we get on the sidewalk. We start talking. He asked me tons of question i start making some drawings i start uh, asking him some question he saw that i knew a lot about my physics and uh, eventually this guy is already uh, quite far on the health journey he does a lot of uh, fasting and breath work and um, dry fast and he eats mostly fruits he's always walking barefoot if he's listening to the podcast he will probably know who i'm talking to and about him <laughs> yeah and eventually man we've we've been talking on the sidewalk for like two hours and then eventually we get to the subject of health instead of talking about flat earth we get to the subject of health and then he in the conversation i was trying all the time to tell him the reason why you don't understand what i'm saying is because you went too long to in school so you're too far to deprogram. It will take you a long time. I'm just planting a seed now. But maybe in two years, you'll contact me and say, yeah, you were right. But for now, I'm just planting a seed because the deprogramming for you is really long. Yeah. It took yeah. you how many years to get programmed? So it takes... Exactly. The longer you go to school, the harder it is to find the truth because school, it's all sure. lie. So then... But then it's funny because at the end, and it was the perfect way to end the conversation... At the end, we go into biology and we go into health. And then he, he says himself, he says, yeah, man, I can imagine. Because at one time I was with uh, my girlfriend and uh, her friend was over there. And then I was telling her I didn't eat anything in 14 days. And uh, didn't uh, in the first four days, something, I was dry fasting. And then the girl said, I don't believe you because you would be dead. And then I told her, no, but I, I just did it. So like, I don't have to prove anything. I, I just did it. But then she kept saying, I don't believe you because she went too long in school and didn't do any experimentation. 
that's the dangerous part of believing without experimenting. So when he said that, I told him, now you see my point of view. Now you went to school too long. I'm telling you from experimentation and you telling me I'm wrong. So then he, he smiled and he went, ah, oh, shit, I should never started that. Like, that ah, you fucking got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he got himself, actually. He saw that yeah. the <laughs> system was completely a fraud and it wasn't based on experimentation. It was just based on theory and believing and trusting blindly. And that so is then the I told, point of science. It's supposed yes. to be replicable in experiments. Yes. Like any scientific law, you should be able to be in your house or go in your backyard and test yep. every single scientific law and prove <laughs> it to be true in with your own eyes. And if yes. you can't, it's only a theory and most likely not true. True. I, I agree 100% with this. Sometimes I would say there's some experimentation that would need a, a tiny budget, but yeah. most of the times any civilians with a – a couple thousand dollars can replicate any forces or any laws in this world and say, look, uh, I did it. My friend did it. My uncle did it. Everyone has the same conclusion. But if, if someone tells you, let's say it's Wallace uh, Space Agency, and I tell you, believe me, there's a black hole over there. You cannot see it, but I have a telescope that is worth $2.6 million with the most expert uh, lenses that are made in lab with uh, uh, malignum and then uh, tritium and we have so many different materials to be able to see it believe me if you believe me shame on you you're just acting like a fool because yeah. you believe blindly don't believe blindly just look at it say okay and don't say you know, because now I was talking with that guy from a physics standpoint in university. He was telling me how a star explode, how a black holes work. And I was like, why you're telling me all of this? Like you, you talk like, you know, like you talk like, you know, you never saw a star. You, you never saw a star explode, implode. You never saw a black hole. You're just talking shit now. Seen so then he goes, yeah, but. He, he goes, yeah, but the formula, and I go, oh, man, this is so school. School, they want you to believe in numbers and letters next to each other with a plus and minus and division. And I was like, man, stop it with this. Can I? Can we just have a conversation like real humans? Uh, <laughs> so the longer you go to school, the harder it is to deprogram and to learn the truth. Yeah, it's like you can make equations work with anything. Anything, anything. That's what I was telling him. Fucking variables. You can throw X and Y and Z and L yep. and N and M and all these different variables into equations, and then you can make them work. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's why I hate formula. There's one formula that I really love. It comes from the ancient Hindus. It's uh, from the Sanskrit language. It it says, transfer the the highest amount of knowledge with the least amount of words that's the only formula that i love to respect i like that i also like intention plus action equals manifestation <laughs> yeah i love that one also <laughs> Evil. see um, all formula we don't learn in school yeah and i mean i like math i like some things with math like i fuck yes. with the mandelbro set yeah. You know how you yeah. can see all the fractals and everything in the Mandelbrot set, and it's literally like 
the same kind of the golden ratio like no i see a lot of mathematics also in nature now the thing is though that's interesting about mathematics is that like sure there is infinite fractal in the mandelbrot set however there are things in nature that are not in the mandelbrot set 100 so it's like we can only define part of nature and that's the, the thing about creation like creation is the act of limiting infinity if you were to create a math equation that would embody the infinite everything there's only one way to do it how would you do it zero zero the nothing is the everything there is nothing that is more infinite than the nothing well said well so in in mainstream history uh because i have been studying the maya for quite a while they say the maya invented the zero or something but I know many ancient culture had the zero. Like for me, it's there's t now I, I, I was doing video on the, all the Maya sites that I was visiting and I was telling the story or the story, even the word his story. It says it's his story. So it's like, ah, now I look back at my video and I'm like, was I spreading the truth or his story? So now I stopped telling the story of the Maya because I don't know. Who wrote it? Yes, exactly. I don't know if it's the truth. So, um, so yeah, now I'm just filming the sites. But that's another point. Also, every ancient civilization from my research and understanding and the sculpture on the temples and the representation in the temples and then the archaeological sites represent the earth as being flat with a firmament over us, with the star rotating around Polaris. And they say, some, some ancient civilization says, uh, the tree of life in the center of the earth, supporting the earth. Or there's other that, that uh, talk about the magnetic mountain at the center of the earth. And the Maya says that we are on a turtle. It's like the earth is a turtle. So maybe the platform, we're just on the back of a gigantic turtle. And this turtle is walking around another platform. That's, that's another perspective. That's how that's the like Maya. Kinda, you know how our whole world could be like a cell on the hair on the end of something's nutsack. Yes. You think we can be on the, t the shell of a turtle walking around. Yes, yes. That's also possible. And like when, you, when you do some research... Uh, that again that's just from my little research maybe i'm wrong but uh the turtle is the animal or the yeah it's an animal that lived the longest hmm. because the breath is so slow everything is slow about a turtle it takes like i think three breaths per minute or something like that or not even sometimes they'll take less than one breath per minute yeah yeah it's really really impressive so so it would make sense that like if the longest the uh, life expectancy is the turtle. Maybe we are on the back of a gigantic turtle that's been living for tens of thousands of years. Who knows? Hmm. Interesting concept. Yes. Sure. Another fun fact that I would like to bring because uh, we talked about the water that needs a container. So just remind, uh, just to remind everyone, Antarctica is the highest continent of all. So it's higher than every continent. So it acts as the container for the water. This is how the oceans and everything is old inside, is Antarctica. Another funny fact is 
Universal Studio was <laughs> I just founded. Whole fucking time. <laughs> Same as the other day. You told me to wait and I didn't wait. Universal Studio was founded in 1912. And from that date, they start putting at the uh, entry or the beginning of every movie or every little um, video that they were doing a spinning earth, a spinning ball earth. But at that time, nobody went into fake outer space. So even their fake story doesn't make sense. Why would they put a ball earth spinning at the beginning of a movie if nobody went into space to see how our earth is? So that doesn't make sense. So Universal Studio was founded in 1912 and then NASA was founded in 1958. And in between all uh, those two dates, there's many operation like uh, that they did in Antarctica. There, there's many weird military mission that was done. They probably figure out so many stuff. That's why now we can go to Antarctica because they, they know that if we are going over there, we will find some pyramids. We will find some entry maybe to a underworld. Maybe we will find a firmament. We will find a lot of stuff and understand a lot about uh, our world. Land. You get, there's maps and shit that you can find of like other lands in yeah. Antarctica. Um, I mean, Martin Kenny's cosmic egg theory is interesting. I wouldn't say I resonate wholeheartedly with all of it, but the concept that there are other ice walls even outside of Antarctica. Um, yes, that, that's why I say I don't know if it's just a ring or it's just infinite, but that yeah. that is a question that is still open. Like, it's okay to not know as a human. I see tons oh. of people not able to say, I don't know, and I love seeing someone in a conversation, even if we're deep, even if he's really good in geology, at one point say, tell me, I don't know. I see, wow, he respect himself. What the, all the things he shared before was probably true because he's able to say when he don't know. Yeah. What I have some difficulty with is when I do some research for thousands of hours on a certain subject, and then I, I'm still humble to say, I don't know. And the first guy I cross in the street and I ask the question, he started talking. And I say, yeah, okay. I don't know how you know because then I've been searching for this for thousands of hours for years and I still don't know. And you know, and you didn't study nothing. You read a magazine and listen to NASA. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, there's no way for us to know some of these things. Like, we yes. can't know what lies outside Antarctica or what, you exactly. know, if there is something outside Antarctica or what the deal is with it because, <laughs> yeah. and I got a lot of better stuff to do here on earth than to, than to get my ship blown up trying to find that out. True. True. I know eventually I will, because uh, I think it was last night or two nights ago, I was um, looking at the moon and uh, I always, when I sun gaze or when I watch the moon, I always talk with the moon or talk with the sun, not verbally, but uh, mentally. And uh, the moon was telling me, like, why are you just staying on the ground? Why are you not coming higher and be more free? So uh, the message that I got was... Um, by the plane. At one day, yeah. <laughs> by the plane. It's quite, quite similar, but... Uh, it was more like you need to find a way to get up here, like get find a way to get up here. And once you find a way to get up here on your own, 
then you will start to explore and really find the truth because then I can go to the North Pole. And when I say I'm going to get up there, probably I'm going, there's many options. I, I saw one the other day in my head was buying a plane, a small plane and swapping the engine for like a nuclear engine or a hydrogen engine or something where I can land on water, refuel with the water and then just continue so I don't have any limits. So then I can visit North Pole and I can go to Antarctica, but my my best option would be like to build a flying saucer. So when I go to Antarctica and the jets, everything are coming to shut me down. I'm just too fast, man. I'm just too fast. You're not on my level. And I can go, wah, 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 zoom, zoom, boom. And then he can just not catch me. If anyone builds it, I would see you building it. <laughs> I think I'm crazy enough to do it, yes. I saw I saw in one of my dreams, it was in India. I was going to India. I was just in a crappy, crappy place. I was sleeping on the floor. Everything was dirty. And I wasn't sleeping a lot because... It was always noisy in the place that I was. Everyone was working into building that ship. So we were like taking shift, uh, sleeping 30 minutes, and everyone was dirty. And uh, that's what I saw in my dream. So maybe one day I'm in India and building that flying saucer. Hmm. And maybe I won't be on Instagram when I when this is done. But trust me, I will, I will go to Antarctica and I will go to the North Pole and I will see what's up with this. I firmly believe you when you say that too. If there's anybody I know who's out here not fucking around, it's you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit crazy, but I like it like this. Crazy, not stupid. Yes, exactly. Uh, oh man, I have a funny story about the crazy. So now I, when I call you crazy, it's a compliment. Like it's the biggest compliment that I can give you. And I was in, um, I was in Canada. I was still with my uh, ex-girlfriend. And I, or maybe we, we just split up, but we still have a good relationship. And uh, I just came back from Peru from doing the three ceremonies of ayahuasca. And uh, when I came back, I was more peaceful. Everything was different. My vision was different. I didn't want money anymore. I wanted knowledge. So, And then she said at one point, she, but the tone is different. So if I say, Nick, you're crazy. It's like, that's a tone, like it's a compliment. But if there, I can say, man, like you're crazy. Like that could be like a different, you're crazy. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. So she said it in a way like you're crazy, like a bad crazy. So then I don't know. It wasn't a good answer at that moment, but I remember (laughs) I answered too quick. I said, and you're normal. And then suddenly she was like, <gasps> she felt like, oh, okay. So being crazy is actually good. And I felt it also like, yeah, nobody wants to be called your normal. It feels way worse to be called you're so normal than to be called you're so crazy. So now people seek being crazy. Be crazy. I, have a, I did a post a while ago where I noted the differences between crazy and normal and how you know, things that people usually call crazy are normal and people, <laughs> things that people usually call normal are fucking crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I think that was you that really brought me this, uh, this knowledge. Crazy. Yes. Like uh, when you say uh, fasting is not extreme, but stuffing your face with three, uh, three meals a day, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. 
right? <laughs> thing about logic, it usually just makes sense. Yes, yes. And uh, this is one thing. I always been someone who's been logical in my life. Like there's many time that I was about to do an action or work or and I didn't know shit about it. But then I just take a step back. I look at it and you act logically. I think logic is something that is not used enough in our day and age right now. It's logic is enough like because it. people aren't using intuition either. <laughs> Yes, and I think they they actually work towards working uh, uh, against us using logic, because logic is such a powerful weapon. And not yeah. weapon. I, I don't like that word, but a powerful it's not really tool. Like demonized when it's it's yes. a valuable tool. Yes, 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 totally. So it's like I remember in school, a teacher would would say something and I was using logic and questioning what she was saying and then she would get mad. So it's like, whoa. She was like, no, just stay in the in the box. Like don't use logic. Like you're you're getting out of the box now. So people use logic and question everything. Yeah. And I mean it's kind of like the same thing. Like there should be balance. Like, you know, the the right brained um or I mean the left brained logic with the right brained intuition. Like, you know, they, they constantly demonize logic and say that people misuse it often and then, you know, overhype intuition. And it's kind of very similar to what people do with breath work, how like, you know, I don't recommend parasympathetic uh, breathing to most people yeah. because most people are already out of balance leaning towards the sympathetic. That doesn't mean the sympathetic mm -hmm. nervous system is a bad thing. If you are running away from a bear, you better fucking breathe in the parasympathetic nervous system. I mean, in the sympathetic nervous system. You better get into fight or flight. You need it. But yes, uh, um, I wouldn't recommend it for that circumstance. So in my opinion, there needs to be balance. Well, I mean, it's not really my opinion. It's a universal fact. There needs to be balance for everything in order for there to be ease. Yes. So basically, the same thing with logic and intuition. Your intuition can lead you somewhere. But if your intuition is really leading you somewhere that is right, you should also be able to, it should also be able to be aligned with logic. It should mm -hmm. always, everything that's really true should both feel intuitive and logical. And logic. Oh yeah. Man, and the intuition. That most people don't say. Yes, Nobody notices to say, powerful. why can't we have both? We should be having both. For something to yeah. be holistically true, it needs to be logically true and intuitively true. Yes. Wow. <laughs> well said <laughs> the intuition is it's really special the intuition like uh, it's as if uh, when I was in Canada um, I had told you before I was uh, hosting ceremonies and um, every time I left my um, my cell phone at home or if I bring it it was deep in my bag and it was turned off and I remember when we were coming out of the forest everyone that was coming at the ceremonies they were like uh where do we go like they were using their cell phones and trying to get out the forest and i was like man just guys follow me like uh, my intuition was so high that i was like connecting i i knew where to go but i didn't know where i was going but i knew where to go i was just going going and then whew, finding the way and that that was the intuition and sometimes i test it in in just the even if i still live in the in a city uh, most of the time i just don't use any device and i go with my intuition and uh, 
most of the time, I would say probably like 98% of, uh, of the time, it works. It's like we're connected to that source. We have that GPS inside of us, but we always look at that stupid thing called a cell phone and yeah. we're losing that win intuition. For sure. I, I mean, out here in Hawaii now recently, it's been, it's been good. Like certain areas, like when you do go exploring, like your phone doesn't work. So you can't. Yeah, that's actually good. So it's pretty cool. Like, you know, we go to, we went to the bamboo forest and. Oh, wow. I love incredible. Bamboo. bamboo for miles and just rivers running through it. Oh. So like I was here, I, I lived in on Maui for three months uh, in 2020 from March to June. So like yep. a year and a half ago. And I went to the bamboo forest one time. Somebody brought me to it and we hiked through the bamboo forest to this waterfall. Oh, and it was incredible. And I was like, I know how to get there. And we, park, <laughs> we go in and we're just going through and, you know, you know, knowing things that would like make sense. It's like, you know, if you can hear it or you can, you know, you know, like the mountain up higher is where the yes. river is flowing from, you know, if uh -huh. the flowing this way, the water has to be coming from that way. So like, you know, just using logic and things that I know, and also yeah. my kind of like trying to piece together memory and just going with what feels right. Like seeing what feelings are maybe a little familiar. And we found that waterfall. True. And it feels so good, right? It felt it so feels good, good knowing I didn't cheat and use any kind of crutch. It was like yes. literally oh. like my, my body remembered what it felt like to go on this hike. And the day it that we went on the hike, it was pouring rain and it was muddy and it was intense. And it was like hard <laughs> to find. And like, I was just blindly following the people who we were hiking with. And then when me, Bean, and Aubrey went, it was beautiful, sunny out, and I was it was a completely different type of day, and I still figured out how to get there, even though it looked completely different than when I got there. But as soon as I pulled up to the waterfall, I was like, all right, this is it. We did it. I'm getting <laughs> We made it. And, and the feeling of, like, uh, being in nature without any device, suddenly you really feel like powerful human with that body technology, with that mind, with that spirit, like everything starts to connect and like the intuition is higher than ever. As soon as you are far from the noise pollution, the visual pollution, the uh, all the cell towers and everything, don't have your cell phone, suddenly you become that human, that God, goddess consciousness human that we are. Yeah, totally. Brother, let's, let's jump to the matter. Yeah, let's jump to the moon and the sun because I know you have a, a lot to say. Let, let me open the subject about it. Um, the word planet comes from the Greek word planetos that means wandering stars. Wow, interesting. It, I have a different yes. definition for of it, actually. Yes, and uh, there's eight specific luminaries that we call planets but they are actually wandering stars. And any solar year has a minimum of four eclipses, but possible of six and seven eclipses. This, I need to do more study in this. How can this happen? Like, um, because from my research, the sun takes 24 hours to do a complete rotation over us, and the moon takes 25 hours to take a complete rotation over us. That's why we have solar and lunar eclipse. So tell me more what you know about this. So if you look through Maureen Kenny's 
Cosmic Egg Theory uh, and the guy who did his graphics for that uh, that video. Uh, his name is, I want to say it's Norb's World, N-O-R-B-Z World. Okay. I think that's his name. It could be off slightly, but I think that's what it is. He, um, he accounted for like the pathways of each one being different spiral patterns, like different sine waves. So they're not always direct circles. So they intertwine with each other and you get eclipses because they're not actually just flowing like donuts. They spiral through and around each other. So Nick, I don't know um, if it was still recording, but it lagged for like uh, two yeah, minutes. I, I saw you. I saw you freeze, but I'm pretty sure it's recording from my end. So I'm pretty sure that should okay. be recorded. But what I said Good. was that um, in Martin Kenny's Cosmic Gag Theory and in Norb World's depiction of it, you know, the graphic design that he did of it, the way that they yep. explain it is that they're not linear or like directly circular patterns always. So they are, you know, their own sine waves along this bigger oscillation where mm. the sine waves intertwine and they weave through and around each other, which is what gives us the eclipses. So they're not just rotating around a circle. So because the, that knowledge that I found, uh, like I, I didn't dove, uh, dive deeper because why would it be a minimum of four eclipses, but possible to six to seven eclipses like like from my uh, research it's like the sun actually has its its own course its own rotation it comes closer and it goes further the moon the same thing and then you just uh, told me before this podcast that they also go in altitude so lower and higher yeah. but now it's like how how is that range of like from four, a minimum of four eclipses to six, seven eclipses per year. It's like well, the way that I would see it is like, honestly, think of it like a math equation. So like there probably is a way to, you know, determine what the actual, you know, you'd have to study the flight patterns of the sun and the moon, yep. see really what, what the equation is, whether it's, you know, let's just say it's a sine wave and let's say yep. the moon is like a, you know, like a cosine wave or something. Uh huh. And, you know, where, how often do they, you know, you can figure out the equation to see how many variables for which they even out and mm -hmm. they, they meet at zero. So like, I feel like that's how they would determine that. But I mean, personally, I don't have a number for how many eclipses per year, et cetera. Um, that's, I haven't looked mm -hmm. too deep into eclipses to be honest, but I do, mm -hmm. I do remember hearing that when I was diving into that theory, which did made me make me think about a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. And eclipses was one of those. And it honestly did make some degree of sense, um, obviously, yes. without experimentation. But logically, it, it made some some sense to me. Because um, the four thing, eclipses, yeah, the four eclipses made sense for me. For me, the question was more like, why do we have the possibility of six to seven? It means like there's a, a variant factor. or some, yeah, factor. Hmm. But still, you see, I here I need to say it because... This is theory knowledge. I have no experimentation, no observation of this. So it's more like I got it online. I went a little bit uh, deeper, but not uh, really, really uh, down the hole. And that's the knowledge I have for now. Yeah. As I say things when it comes to any of these topics, if I'm 
I'm usually telling you where I'm getting them from. So if I'm telling you it's from Cosmic Egg or I'm telling you it's from yes. Taylor, something that yes. I heard from someone, I'll tell you who I heard it from. And if I didn't hear it from anyone and it's from my direct observation, like with my own two eyes, I'll tell you that it's with my direct observation. <laughs> yeah, um, well said. So this knowledge come from this the chat. This is from I, Martin Kenny. This is from Martin Kenny. Okay. And you know Ryan Zem? I feel like that sounds familiar, but not specifically. I think I, I've sent you a lot of his knowledge. So this oh. guy is crazy, man, because now, first of all, he, he didn't have a cell phone for the past two years. Uh, he was posting on YouTube only. And now he didn't post on YouTube for a while because he said in his last video that he's going out of everything social media or internet and he's going to the north pole he's actually oh, going about this guy I remember. yeah he knows how how to use a sexton he, he knows how to read the sky and use ancient uh, tools that doesn't need electricity and he wants to go and visit the north pole and then in 2024 him and i and maybe a small team were supposed to maybe go to antarctica and visit antarctica but he needs the documentation to have the permission to go. And then in the permission, they always let us go to a certain uh, altitude, to a certain degree. But then we would just break the law and just continue and hope not to die. <laughs> Good plan. Something. <laughs> Good plan, yeah. Something like that. So then the other thing that I know about the moon, uh, there's different types of lunar eclipse um what is the moon i have a theory that it is maybe a old malfunctioning sun because it's pretty much the same size same altitude as the sun it's a little slower than the sun so i told you the sun takes 24 hours to do a complete rotation the moon takes 25 it travel approximately the same trajectory and both affect plants animals and us boats oscillate also both are magnetics electrodes and both uh, the aztec says not uh, sorry i removed the both at the beginning of this sentence the aztec says this is the fifth sun so does that mean we have like, is, is it literally the fifth sun or this is more like alchemical way of saying something? I so don't, there's I a couple of things that I could say that might uh, help. Okay, go ahead. So, um, one, I mean, the moon is unique for several reasons, but like even to the other supposed moons. But um, in again, in Cosmic Egg Theory from Martin Kenny, um, he basically terms the wandering stars as the suns and moons of the other domains of earth. So mm. you have basically like the Aryan ring, which is in, inside of us, basically. Like if you go up to the North pole, there's, there's that one. Yep. Then we live in the Atlantean ring, which is the second one or the second yep. recent one, third from the beginning. Then you have Lemuria and then you have Hyperborea. So wow. the sun and moon of Hyperborea would be the sun, Saturn and the moon, Jupiter. And then Lemuria, you would have the sun, Mars and the moon, Venus. Then you have our sun. Um, what's our sun? Um, our moon is Artemis and our sun is Apollo. And then you have the androgynous sun moon of uh, the Aryan ring in the, in the beginning, uh, in the middle by the North Pole, which is 
um, just Mercury. And basically like every 24,000 years, this is this, the cosmic egg theory. This is not my yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sharing this for anybody interested. Um, he claims that every 24,000 years, there's a new ring. There's going to be seven total in the whole cycle. Um, I don't know where he gets that from, but I, I think it's an interpretation from like religious texts. And um, yes, it comes from the Hindus uh, civilization. Yeah, he studied a bunch of different ancient texts from like civilizations all around the world. Um, yep. And I mean, they're all up for interpretation, but this is his interpretation. Yes, exactly. Um, and yeah, every 24,000 years is a new ring. For the first 24,000 years of the first epoch, which is just a subdivision of time, the first cycle, the first big cosmic day, 24,000 year cosmic day, um, for each ring, they have an androgynous sun moon, which then splits into a sun and a moon. Um, and then, you know, the newest ring has a new androgynous sun moon. So the, the newest one would be the Aryan ring, which has the androgynous Mercury. And then ours which was i believe six thousand years ago like pretty close on the dot in 2020 because that was when we switched from pisces to aquarius yeah um, that was the shift you know six thousand years ago where our sun split into a sun moon or a sun and moon, where like it split from apollo like to apollo and artemis at once and then the same thing so you know, mercury and and uh not mercury uh mars and venus used to be one androgynous luminary which then split into two and then the uh, in hype for Hyperborea, the original one would be Jupiter, Saturn were one and then split into two. Okay, time. so that really means like in in that theory, in our circle, at one point in time, only one sun. 6,000 years ago was the, according to Martin Kenny's theory, 6,000 years yep. ago would be the time where the before 6,000 years ago, there was no moon. And for the last 6,000 years, there is a moon. And this is kind of in alignment with a lot of civilizations that discuss the time before the moon. Wow, wow, wow. You see, this is something I never heard before. It's really interesting. There's another thing that I need to study more. It's the black sun. So there's a video that's passing on Instagram or some, it says that it's a Freemason explaining the universe. And it says that there's a black sun, blah, blah. For me, I just look at the video and I say, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe. But it's it's interesting. It's really really interesting. Or I don't like that word, but it's it's nice. Yeah. So the word planet. This isn't from Martin Kenny. I learned. I I saw this definition from a documentary on YouTube, The Lost okay. History of Flat Earth, which I'm pretty sure you've also seen. Ah. And this yes. guy defines planet as a subdivision of a larger plane. So meaning that we call Earth a planet because Earth, as we know it, is a subdivision of a larger plane. That is the total, whatever it is that we're really calling Earth, yep. where, um, you know, whatever's outside Antarctica or whatever. So us calling it a planet means that it's a smaller division of a plane, not necessarily a round spinning ball. And that the mm. stars, you know, the wandering stars are what we call the planets can't possibly be planets because they're not subdivisions of a larger plane like the where we live on Earth is. So you, yeah, could, consider, you could consider if you were to measure North America as a planet. It is a subdivision <laughs> of the yeah. larger plane that we know to exist inside Antarctica. Yeah. A smaller scale. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's, that's another definition that I've heard. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's really interesting. So the, the, the other thing that I saw, and this is easy to replicate about the moon, is 
the light force of the moon, the light rays of the moon is cold. Yes, the reverse light. I was going to say this before. The sun's yes, light is really reverse light. So the moon shade is actually warmer than the moon light. And like you'll exactly. notice, especially like those cool summer nights are usually always full moon nights. And those nights in the middle of the summer where you're like, it's so fucking hot, those are new moon nights, typically. Yeah. So easy experimentation for you at home. You go on Amazon, you buy a little thermometer. And then when the moon is full, you go outside, you put a thermometer under a chair or under somewhere where the light doesn't go. And then you put another one in the light and you should see a difference in temperature. I don't know if it's a full degree. I don't know if it's two degree difference. I don't know what's the difference, but from my research, there is a difference. So the light of the moon, you can feel it. The light of the sun is hot. Yeah. I mean, the body is a thermometer. So you can literally just like go go out in the moonlight and then go in the moonshade and feel it for yourself. Or like for me, like over time, this is something that I've just come to realize because I've been really studying like the moon or just analyzing like nature and weather, like when it comes to when the sun is, or when the moon is full and when the moon is new and it's always chilly on full moon nights and it's always not as chilly on the new moon nights. And even like the full moon nights are the nights where it's colder to go outside. And the new moon mm-hmm. nights are the, are the nights when it's warmer to go outside. You go outside and it's actually warmer than it is in your house. And then when, you know, when you don't have the air conditioning or heat on at all, like when your house is just, you know, like I always have it with no artificial, like temperature altering shit, whatever uh-huh. in your house, if none of that is there, when you go out on the new moon, it will be warmer outside than it is in your house. And when you go outside on the full moon, it'll be colder than it is in your house. Mm-hmm. That's my observation. Mm-hmm. So, I would love for anyone listening to this podcast or <laughs> Wallace, to, to test that out for yourself and see, see what you yes. do because that's just yes. I will let you know. I will let you know for sure. The other thing is when I was younger, I thought the light of the moon was a reflection of the sun hitting the moon and then uh, seeing the moon light up. But then now I think the moon actually power up and power down by itself in relation to the sun completely different yeah and uh, eclipses in greek means abandonment so that's another subject i want to touch because i saw again it's on the ryan zem channel it's the video of uh, about the luminaries in the sky and during a solar eclipse uh, the mainstream tells us that the moon is passing in front of the sun But when you take a picture, you put it in the Photoshop, you uh, upgrade. I don't think I don't know if it's the aperture or the uh, the uh, what's the term exposure or yeah, like the exposure. Yeah, so you see other details behind. You upgrade, you upgrade, you upgrade, and you never find anything. It's as if there's nothing passing in front. It's more likely that the sun is completely decharging and then maybe we have a new sun. I don't know if it's uh, completely a new sun, but the, the guy who did the experimentation takes a picture with a really good camera. Then he put it in Photoshop. 
he upgrades the uh, exposure and he doesn't find anything. There is no outline, there is nothing passing in front. So it's as if the sun is decharging completely and then boom, then if you look at the uh, solar eclipse video, you'll see like it decharge completely or they say a moon's passing in front. Maybe it's the black sun, I don't know. It's passing in front. And when there's a black dot completely in front, you only see the ring outside. And uh, if you had an Xbox in your life, you know that the power button of an Xbox, it's like a ring. And it feels as if it's like starting or stopping or recharging because the ring goes boom, boom, like the two, three, four flash. And then suddenly it's recharging completely. So very interesting. Yeah, this is really, this is something that really, I would definitely like to test out for myself as an avid sun gazer. My, like my eyes can adjust pretty quick to the light now because I've been used to it for a while uh -huh. i haven't i haven't done too much sun gazing when it comes to eclipses it's interesting and it's honestly just because i don't know when they are and i just happen <laughs> this and then they are like yeah. i follow them and most of the time i just cannot see them like i'm like what the fuck do i need to be in a certain part of the world is it because of the clouds is it like am i off time like i don't yeah, know sometimes but, i think it's when you look at they tell you online I tell people, oh, it's going to hurt your eyes. You're going to go blind if you look at the eclipse. Yeah, but now I'm questioning this that. because... I don't know about that. Yeah. I, now I want to look yeah. at it. <laughs> same, same. I want to I wanna actually try to look at it. And if I become blind, it was just meant to be. Maybe my my other sense will just go crazy. Yeah, but... right. <laughs> Which I doubt. <laughs> I doubt I'll go blind. You know, the same, eyes, same. Because... The now everything the mainstream say, I know I flip it 180 degree and I find the truth. So if they say don't look at the solar eclipse, maybe we look at a solar eclipse, man, and we just now we can we can have fire in our hands and maybe we have superpowers that enter our body. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Shit. Yeah. Whatever. Sure. They're telling us not to look at it, so we should probably look at it. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's the way I operate also. Yeah, so um, I, there are some things I could say about the moon, but I don't know how they necessarily pertain to flat earth, um, like the moon cycles and the phases um, and how they affect you emotionally and, and fasting in alignment with those. I mean, I teach that in breath or boot camp. So if anybody wants to know more about that, um, it's there's basically a whole day, day one of breath or boot camp. You learned about it, you know, yes, yes. talking about the phases and how um, that relates yeah, that was to like parasitic infestation and how the parasites reproduce on the new moon and their eggs hatch on the new moon just like a seed germinates in the darkness and then like the full moon is like the pool you know i'm not going to go into it because i teach this in brother <laughs> um but yeah um if you want to learn more about that and how to align your fast with with that type of stuff um yeah you can learn it through brother boot camp uh it's the next wave starts january 27th um, and that'll be at 8 a.m. Hawaii Standard Time every day for nine days. And those sales are up now. So you can go get tickets whenever you want uh, get it. at the kudomethod.com. What do you say, Wiles? Get it. Yeah. <laughs> get that breath in shape. Yes. Uh, let's, uh, yeah. So we could talk a little bit about the sun. Yes. So, and I want to talk about this specifically because. A lot of people misinterpret a lot of things relating to astrology. 
Um, oh and my astrology God. is very, very much misinterpreted. So yes, let's just talk about the most basic ones. Your three main signs in your natal chart that people are mostly concerned about when they ask about your signs. You have your yeah. rising sign, your sun sign, and your moon sign. So let's talk about the sun first. Anybody with two eyes can tell you after a very small amount of time looking at the sun or analyzing the sun, how long it takes the sun to complete one cycle. Now let's look at the obvious that we're not on a globe rotating around the sun, but rather the sun is going through its own oscillations and cycles. So how long is one cycle? How long does it take the sun to leave and come back to the same spot? 24 hours, not a year. <laughs> so where do we get a year from? Let's talk about that. So there are many, there are many different ways to, to look up, you know, a year, but with the sun specifically, um, we have the, I mean, the equinoxes, but the sun, the, the summer solstice and the winter solstice. So a year yeah, from yeah. the summer solstice would be the summer solstice the next year. Now, the sun goes through its own oscillation where if we view the earth as kind of like, let's say for argument's sake, that it is flat, like my hand, but more so like a donut, like, like a donut here. We have the sun rotating around the donut here. Right. But it doesn't just stay here. It changes altitude throughout the year, throughout the seasons. So one cycle of the sun is 24 hours. However, a year is from when, let's say, the longest day of the year. Right. So let's say we started this at the summer, the winter solstice, which is yes. the shortest day of the year. And this is what we were talking about before when you can you know, replicate this with a flashlight. The sun is the closest to the earth, to the ground on the yes. winter solstice, which is why it's the shortest day of the year. So it's rotating around. And the reason why it's the shortest day of the year is because it's the closest. So as it covers distance away, you can't do it. You can't see it as much. So it's like if you were to put a flashlight on the table, the closer the flashlight is to the table, the less the radius or the, you know, the, yeah, I guess the radius the of, of, of yep. the beam would be. So we start here at the smallest or the, the closest to earth time of year, which would be December 22nd, the winter solstice. And then throughout the year, as the days get longer, the sun is getting higher and higher and higher until it reaches the Tropic of Cancer, yes. which is where, you know, that is the, the area that it is rotating around the Tropic of Cancer for that one longest day of the year. And it's the longest day of the year because the sun is the highest in the air. And you'll find that to be, you know, so because if you were to lift up the flashlight, it now covers a wider radius. So when it goes further, the flashlight, you can still see the light somewhere further away. And then as you go from, you know, the summer solstice, June 22nd, it rotates down and spirals. Of course, everything spirals down into <laughs> the Tropic of Capricorn, where it would yes. rotate for one day or, or really three days for the winter solstice from the 22nd to the 25th, which is why we choose that to be our Christmas day. That's a another day, but yeah. So basically the sun is changing signs, right? Cause now let's look at the rising sign. The, 
um, constellations are not on the horizon. They are above us on the firmament. So the fact that a constellation would be rising doesn't make any sense because they're not below. They're not on another side of the universe or <laughs> space, whatever. There's a clock right above with all of yeah, the up there. Whatever one is directly above you, that's where we're at. But basically, the sun is changing signs. Think of a you know a twelve o'clock, and I mean there is that Ophiuchus thirteenth sign that we're not going to get into. Um, the, <laughs> it's just too much for for, for the yeah. first podcast episode about this, um, <laughs> where we have uh, you know the sun rotating and changing signs every two hours. If it can, if it goes through twelve signs. In 24 hours, it is spending an average of two hours per sign. Yeah. Now, this is not exact because not every constellation takes up the same amount of space in the sky. There's also 13 instead of 12. It's it's an average. <laughs> so, yeah. And this is why traditional Chinese medicine has the organs specifically detoxing at specific times according to where the sun is. You know, as the sun changes signs, a different organ is detoxing. It's all correlated. And, you know, every organ that detox gives you a different emotion, a different animalistic tendency, you know, that aligns with a different spot on the zoo circle or the zodiac, the animal circle, um, yes. different animalistic tendencies comes with each phase of the cycle. So, yeah, um, we have, you know, you are all the zodiac signs. It's, you know, you are the animal circle and um, so basically right now we've established that the constellations don't rise on the horizon. So the rising sign makes no sense. And then we also have established that the sun is changing signs every two hours. So the monthly sign doesn't make any sense. So when awesome. I refer to astrology, I refer to the sun sign as what people normally refer to as the rising sign. So the sign that changes every two hours, what they refer to as your rising sign is really your sun sign. What you normally refer to as your sun sign is what I refer to as your season sign. You're born in Leo season. You're born in cancer season. You're born in Capricorn season. You know, that really is determined, you know, by your balance when you enter this world. So that's something else we can get into after this. Um, I want to go through the sun sign first. So basically like your season sign, it, what you normally refer to as your sun sign, but it is really your season sign is the lens through which you show yourself to the world. Now your rising sign, what you most people refer to as the rising sign, which is really your sun sign is really the truest essence of you. So if you are, you know, like something rising and something else, you know, let's say you're a Leo rising and a Capricorn um, sun, you really are uh, a Leo sun and a Capricorn season. So basically mm -hmm. like, you are like a Leo. You feel like a Leo internally. You, you know, think and feel like a Leo, but you present yourself to the world like a Capricorn. So wow. that's important to distinguish because usually they have it the opposite. They say the sun is who you really are, which is really the way you present yourself. So they tell you the way that you present yourself, like your idea of yourself, which is a parasite, is the real you. And then they tell you that the real you is the way you present yourself to the world, which is your parasite which is the complete opposite. Then the moon cycle is off too, because they say it's normally a 60 hour cycle and the moon changes signs every two and a half days or 60 hours. Um, and, you know, creating a, I mean, I don't disagree with this one either, but like that it changes one, one full oscillation of the moon is 25 hours or so. And uh -huh. 
then you have also um, the full, like the phases of the moon, like a full cycle of the moon as, as it goes with the phases. So like a master oscillation of the moon would be 30 days, a month, a month, uh, which would be, you know, a 60 hour transition period between signs. You see here, I have 29 days, 12 hours, 44 minutes. <laughs> I don't know how it's that precise, but would make sense. I guess someone really analyzed the sky. See, now that would make sense if there's 13 signs. Because if you think yeah. about this, how there would be 12 signs, 30 day, exactly 30 days on the dot cycles, then you would have 12, which would give you 360 days in a year, like 360 degrees in a circle, a cycle. Yes. So that yes. would make, that would just make sense. So, yep. um, yeah, it's really interesting that just, you see them interesting uh, to, to contemplate, you know, all these ideas and just try to piece it all together and try to make it make sense. Yes, because we need to redo everything. And like the uh, astrology comes from astronomy. We need to analyze the sky more everything we think we know we don't really know because we take that knowledge from a place where the knowledge is all corrupt so it's like uh, it's almost as if we need to refine it like look inside or look outside but really analyze ourselves yeah. this guy this is a big part of um a book in court basically this the seventh pillar of the caputo method of holistic ease or it might be the eighth um reflexology and astrology is included in reflexology because oh, nice. it's important to note that everything external, so all of this, everything in the sky is reflecting what's inside you. Your entire external reality, outer space reflects inner space. All the shit is really happening in inner space and it's being reflected uh -huh. in outer space. So rather than saying that the moon and sun and the luminaries and the stars control or affect things on earth, rather yep. we affect the luminaries and the luminaries reflect us and tell us what's already happening within us. So because an eclipse is occurring or because a planet is in retrograde, that's not telling us that these things are happening to us because of these planets. It's that these planets <laughs> or these luminaries, whatever the fuck you want to call them, they're showing us what is happening within us. They are not uh, determining what is within us. They're just simply showing they are mirrors. Yeah. I always found that uh, really funny, like uh, some people using like, oh, it's because of the full moon. Like uh, I act this way, I was uh, uh, like sad because of this, like what? Like, I, I don't know, I, it just didn't yeah. make sense. It's like, oh, I'm experiencing this because Mercury's in, in retrograde and that's why I'm having yeah. communicate. Like, and it's like, no, you're, you're going through a phase in your life where you're struggling to yeah, that's it. because it's part of your own personal growth and mercury being in retrograde is just confirming that this is okay because this is what's in accordance with what's actually happening yeah. inside your body it's what's happening in your universe yes it's not supposed okay, to be yeah. you're not supposed to blame things on astrology no <laughs> that's the last thing or give credit for for things that happen to your life to astrology it's not about that don't give the moon credit for your success, <laughs> you know, <No. laughs> for you finding alignment in any way. It's not, yes. you know, it's not like that. It's, it's showing you where the alignment is and where it's not. It's showing you wh what's going on within you. 
So this this knowledge of uh, astrology in the ancient times, I don't know if I told you, Nick, but the, it used to be secret the day you were born and where you were born. Like if we were yeah. in ancient times and I was talking to you and Nick Caputo in our civilization is like the high priest or the high knowledge of astrology. If I tell you I'm born August 30, 1995 in Belleuil, Quebec, you would know way too much information on me. And now you could use it negatively against me. So nobody was telling you when they were born. It's like and, uh, information. Yeah, because if you know a lot about that knowledge, which is a true knowledge, it's just right now it's really all over the place. Some people, they take cards and they say, I know astrology and they flip cards in front of you. Some people use crystals and say, I will charge this crystal because Mercury is in retrograde, blah, blah, blah. And like, there's so many people thinking they know astrology, but they don't know the stars. They don't know the moon. They don't know the sun. And I think the first process to know astrology is to watch the sky every night, watch the sky every day. And then eventually you fall into astrology, which is a true uh, sector of knowledge. It's, it's just it's a real science. Yeah, it's a real science. Exactly. Like I experienced it really um, special. Like I was in uh, Guatemala. I was at, at La Guaticlan and uh, I alre already uh, uh, was speaking Spanish. So I get to a place over there. Uh, I took a, I bought a choco banana. It's like a, I was addicted to, to this over there. I don't know. It was, it's quite a hard drug. It's like a banana dip in, in the pure chocolate. So they just sell this for like a, a quetzal. So it's really cheap and it's just like frozen bananas with chocolate. It's like, oh man, I was addicted. Anyway, I get to that. Place. <laughs> it's quite a hard drug, man. I get to that place. The guys start talking to me in Spanish and then we have a conversation And eventually, at the end, I was about to leave and he says, what's your Nawal? And I say, what's a Nawal? And a Nawal, it's like, uh, it's like astrology, but uh, in the Maya civilization. So then I told him my date of birth, blah, blah. And then he had a book on the side of his computer. He was looking in, in that book and then he was on the computer. And about two minutes later, he started reading and... It was funny because everything he was saying was way too much of me. It was way too much how I was acting when I was in Canada, when I was the entrepreneur, like everything. And then at the end, I'm really about to leave. And he says, oh, one last thing. Here I have a, an advice to give you. He says, for your soul, it would be good if you go and visit all the temples. And I start laughing because... Already, I had a yeah, that's what I was doing already. I was visiting all the temples. I had a list of 137 temples to visit in uh, Guatemala, Belize, and Mexico. So it was funny that a little book, a little computer, a whole science called astrology from the Maya was telling me, hey, you should do this, but I am already doing this. So I guess there's something somewhere really precise and really real about this because that was way too precise for that moment. It was almost strange and I was almost scared. Like what's happening? This guy knows too much about me. Like what the fuck? <laughs> Feel that. 
Yes, that was funny. Okay, so another thing about the sun. Now let's jump back to the sun. Um, when you are close to a summer solstice and you are in northern northern Norway, the sun will never, quote, set to the observer. It will always stay above the horizon. So this is another proof that the earth is not a ball. The, the, the sun doesn't go over or around. It, you go in Norway, northern Norway, during a summer solstice, and you'll just see the sun spinning around you for 24 hours. It will never set. So that's another special. Um, then, because it's like so, yeah, that, like you can just see it, like no matter what, it just never. Yeah, and you're close to the North Pole also, so it's so close. That's and, another thing uh, I want to mention real quick about the sun cycle yeah, with the solstices. You can notice. For yourself, the sun's change in altitude, not only because of the shortness and longness of days, but the also sun. because of the size of the sun when you look at it. So you'll notice that in the winter, even though the days are shorter, when the sun is departing on the horizon, you will notice that it's a lot bigger than it is in the summer. And you can just take pictures and just notice this or just look and just take note. But it's very, very obvious. Yes, I remember being a kid and it's it's also happening with the moon. I remember being a kid and at one night the moon was gigantic and I was like, what? Like, what's that? It's It feels like it's right here as if I can take a plane and just go on the moon. But that's also happening with the sun. Sometimes the sun is gigantic. Yeah, I don't really know what it is with the moon yet. I haven't like concluded it yet when exactly yeah. it gets bigger and when it gets smaller. I've I'm newer to the moon study than the sun's the sun study. So okay. I mean, I know for the moon and the sun, I mean for the sun, it's the winter and summer solstice where it's the turning point where the sun starts getting or starts looking smaller and bigger because mm. that's the altitude changes. I'm not sure what it is for the moon. Okay, so but I now, know altitude does change in a cycle. It does get smaller and it does get bigger. It does appear to get smaller and appear to get bigger because it is going higher and lower. Yes, and, and, and I, because you just told me this before the podcast, and I would apply this to the moon also. I don't know why I do that link directly, but it's like they have a similar rotation pattern. They have the similar, really, really similar size, maybe the exact same size. They both go uh, in a rotation above us. So if one goes higher and lower as it goes from the Tropic of Capricorn to the Tropic of Cancer, probably the other one is doing something similar, very yeah. similar. But I still, I, I don't know. Don't know um, now I have a question for you. What is the moon? What is the sun? In my perspective, uh, The moon, I really don't know. Some people say it's plasma. I don't know. And, oh, the sun, I don't know either. I don't know if it's an object. Uh, most likely, it's a consciousness, but uh, I don't know what it is. Now that I'm studying nuclear physics, I have a theory that it's a, it's a nuclear chain reaction that is happening Uh, maybe in a vessel or something, and it's creating uh, fission. It's creating a lot of heat, uh, which is which is actually happening in a nuclear reactor. 
And uh, in a nuclear reactor, when the reaction is happening, it's creating a lot of light. And it's really fucking hot. So I don't know. Maybe this is a nuclear reaction that is opening, happening in a container over there. I really don't know. What do you think? Uh, the moon? I really don't fucking know. And I'm not, I mean, almost, I don't know. <laughs> like, literally, I have no idea. The, the concept of the moon going in phases is like no other luminary where you can still see yeah. the moon, but you can tell that it's not white like it normally is. And there's only parts of it that are yes. white and you can still see the yes. other parts that aren't white. And it's like, I don't know how the fuck it works or why it works, but I just know that it does. And I know mm -hmm. how to align, how to identify how that aligns with my personal cycles, my internal cycles. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't not even know, I almost say that I know what, what the fuck it is physically. Um, the song and also something even more special about the moon that I've learned uh, uh, quite recently is When the moon is not complete, when it's just like a croissant, you can you can actually see stars through uh -huh. the moon. That's why you look at the flag of like uh, is it Iran or some country? It's actually a moon with a star in the middle because you uh -huh. need to be like on, in a place where there's no light pollution or, or anything where you see really clearly, but you can see through the moon you know you are looking through the moon because you see like that thin line or if you just continue the yeah. croissant and close it you know you're you're seeing through the moon and you see a star so what the fuck is the moon yeah <laughs> it's like half transparent sometimes when it decides yeah like what's that thing man? Like, over there even the sun like oh how, how do they stay there like What is this? Oh Now the sun, so, in my opinion, like what I interpret it as, is the sun is as a void. It's a nothing. It's the blackness. It is the. It is a source of. It's a nothing source. It's ether. Where like so, so it's physical. It's nothing. In the physical, like the sun itself doesn't actually exist. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. Like the sun is is a void, is the nothing that is that is projecting the stuff that we see, the light. Everything. But the source of the light is actually the nothingness. So it's basically a it's a void. Okay. So this is something to ponder. Um yes, I yes, think it's very yes, similar. Yes. It's like the outward projection of the pineal. It is the seat of consciousness in the external, whereas like the internal seat of consciousness is the pineal where like the pineal does for the body, basically exactly what the sun does for earth. Mm. And then in that sense, I would consider the moon to be the pituitary. Okay. I saw, I saw something, I think three days ago, I, I cannot uh, remember where it was exactly. A girl say, you know, when you are watching a movie in a uh, cinema, You look back where the movie come from. It's actually coming back from a projector. Then you go closer to the projector. You look inside the lens. You see a light and you see a mirror. The light go on the mirror and then the mirror light, the, the, the light from the mirror go on the screen and then you have that, that world that seems so real. She says, maybe the sun is the light, is the source, is like what you just said, the nothingness. Then the moon is the mirror. Then the light goes on the moon, project the whole world that is happening in front of us. And that would also make sense with the theory of the only true map that we have is actually the moon. 
which is the mirror. But we are seeing it upside down. And if you do some research on actual camera, how camera works, you can make a camera when you look into a box with a couple foil and a, a couple just basic holes, you can see the world outside of that box completely 100, 180 degree upside down, which is what we are seeing on the moon right now. So it's highly possible that the sun is the beginning and the end of everything. It's like, where does that light come from? I don't know. Is, it, is there someone pressing on and then boom, the lights come on, then reflecting on the moon, then whoop, everything happens here. That's a theory. Yeah, I see like the sun as like the Wi-Fi router where we are like the computers. <laughs> we are all communicating with it. Yeah, like, don't talk to me about Wi-Fi. It, the it pineal connects to all of it. So, like the pineal itself is basically a it is a star. Like you have a star inside your brain that is projecting consciousness into your body. And your body is the 3D printer that projects everything outside. I mean, if you look at the brain, if you look at what they call the circle of Willis in the brain, it looks exactly like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and the, the Wizard the, of Oz is very, what do you say? You, do you say the circle of Wallace? The circle of Willis. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> very close. Um, circle <laughs> of Willis. It looks what exactly it? like, um, I believe it's in the back. You can Google it like, and just look at it. Okay. It looks exactly like the Wizard of Oz. And the Wizard of Oz is very symbolic to that whole movie. Um, but basically like the concept at the end when they meet the Wizard of Oz and he's not the big guy on the screen. He's the little guy behind, you know, there's no difference between him yeah. and the guy on the screen. There's still the same thing. There's no separation. One is just merely a projection of the other. Wow. Okay. I need to look at that. Movie. It's basically like viewing your external world or even your physical body as the projection where like you are the projector. So everything that the sunlight touches is the projection, the sunlight and everywhere it goes and everything it gives light to is the projection. But the projector yep. is that void, that nothing. And I talk mm. about this in my book, Organic AI too, like in serious detail, like about the darkness being the source and the light being the receiver from the source. And that's why we have, you know, the masculine, which is the void. The darkness is the masculine, which gives energy where the light is receiving energy from the darkness. And that's why the light is the feminine, which is why we have father, God, mother earth. Mm. But that brings me the question. Where does the, where does this light come from? It comes from the darkness. Light is fragmented darkness. Think about it. You take black and black. Yeah, yeah. All creation is an act of limiting infinity and infinity is darkness. Infinity is black. So you mean light? Okay. So I'm just trying to, oh my God, because I infinity think we're like. Infinity breaks itself down. And you can think of it in another way too. Like light is also darkness in transit. So like, you know, like movement is like stillness in transit. So like, basically you could say that like darkness is simply light that isn't moving. And when it's not yeah. moving, it's in its whole form some of the darkness decides to move and now it's light. Mm. Mm. 
like everything that we know to be real in the physical reality is electrons vibrating and electromagnetic vibration is what light is. It's literally the same. Yeah, thing. nothing is solid. So yeah. when the electrons are not moving, you have darkness, but that doesn't mean the electrons aren't there. Ooh. Or the potential for the electrons isn't there, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Wow, man. That's deep. That's deep because now I'm, it's like we're getting so close to the question, what is life? Like, what? where does this come from? Like, what's all of that? Like, right now I'm talking to a computer and then there's Nick on the other side. <laughs> it's a video. Why am I doing this? Why am I here right now? Like, It's crazy to think about this too, bro. That like, if you think of everything like dark spots and light spots, like darkness that like, you know, darkness in stillness and darkness in motion, darkness, you know, and light, it's basically uh -huh. like zeros and ones, binary, yes. just okay. like a computer. It's just like male, female. It's just like, you know, everything else. <laughs> That's so true, man. And, and that comes back frequently when I go deep, deep, deep in my research, whether it's a energy, whether it's language, whether it's a light or anything the zeros and one like you know there's a the way they were communicating back then they still do it in the army like the how you call this in english i honestly have no idea okay so i know what you're talking about yeah in french it's a maybe yes exactly yes exactly so this is zeros and one it's Same thing. It's on, off, on, off, on, 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 off, off, on, off. So you see, it comes back again. And that's a way to communicate. This is probably how the ancient uh, civilization were communicating in long distance. That's one theory that I have right now that I'm still working on. Um, they might have had uh, cell phones also because there's some sculpture in India on some temples. Like that woman seems to have like a tablet. The other one seems to have like a iPad or something. It's really, really curious. Yes, it's really because every technology that we have now can be made in nature. It's just 10 times more difficult. And uh, the one that makes it, let's say you make a cell phone, like we call this a cell phone in nature, in ancient times or in future times. Probably there's like three cell phones on the whole earth. It's just there's not millions because they're not made in a factory. Now we're making everything so easy in factories that it's just cheap stuff. Anyway, let's jump to the next subject, which is stars or planets or both. <laughs> so... Let me get to that to this page. Not the Spanish one. Doing on time. Wow. <laughs> we've been we've been talking for a minute. Let's yes. See. Whenever, yeah, we still got more to go. So yes. Okay, so now, ladies and gentlemen, we are arriving at the planets or what we call planets, or what they want you to believe is a planet, but they are actually called wandering 
stars. So there's eight of them. There's Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. They all have their own signs, symbols. We call them planets today. NASA is sending us tons of CGI images for us to believe in our subconscious that they are a ball of matter that we can land on and then colonize. And Elon Musk is telling you tons of lies that he's going on Mars to build a colony. And he's telling you there's millions of other civilization and uh, races and uh, species in the outer space. This is all a lie. So now let's start to talk about wandering stars and what they are. Every ancient civilization says that they are wandering stars because every other stars are static, are like fixed together, and then they move in group around Polaris, which is Polaris is the north star, which is over the North Pole, directly over the tree of life or the magnetic mountains. That I still don't know. I need to go to the North Pole eventually. So the number one, it's Mercury associated with the color purple and the number eight. It comes from the Latin word Miercole. That means Wednesday. The one who traveled closer to the sun, it's really hard to see. Sometimes does not pass behind the sun, but actually in front. 13 to 14 times in a century. The next transit is in uh, 2032. It will last approximately six hours. Uh, has phases just like the moon, 88 days cycles, and it rules the constellation of Virgo. That's what I know about Mercury. Do you want to add anything about Mercury? Interesting. I mean, if we were going off cosmic egg theory from Martin Kenny, you would expect Mercury's uh, cycle to be smaller because its pathway is smaller because it's closer. So that's interesting to note. Something that may be um, yes. flawed in that theory. No, but it's actually the smallest cycle. It's the smallest cycle of all the. Yes, it's. Uh, wait. Well, it's smaller than twenty-four hours. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. So Mercury is, they say, from my research, 88-day cycle. Then we jump to uh, Venus, which is associated with copper. Color green, number seven. Comes from the Latin word Viennes, which means Friday. And it's so funny because Viennes, in Spanish, it's... Yeah. Uh, viernes it means Friday also. And miércoles, in Spanish, it's miércoles, Wednesday. The <laughs> Venus cycle is 225 days. Uh, silvery light plus second brightness light after the moon. Uh, second brightest light after the moon. Also has phases like Mercury. Only those two has phases. It's the... Um, Fifth closest point equal pentagram. 
I don't remember why I wrote this. It rules the constellation of Libra. This is Venus. Then three, four, five, which is Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Each are more simple, move in their own trajectory. Mars cycle is 687 days. Jupiter is 12 years. Saturn is 20, uh, 29 years. They also create their own geometric pattern. And um, Mars is red, is associated with the color red, the number three, uh, and the metals, iron and steel, and it's Tuesday. Then we have Jupiter that is uh, blue, associated with the number four. It's associated with the metal thin, and it's Thursday. And then we have Saturn that is associated with black, number five, metal lead, and it's Saturday. And then you have six, seven, and eight, with the, which is Uranus, which is 87 years, Neptune, 165 years, and Pluto, 248 years. So that's really interesting. Now I have some theories about what are stars, 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 stars. And then you tell me what you think, Nick. I think it's probable that they are behind the firmament. I really don't know, actually. It's probable that they are around 3,000 to 400 miles away from us. And um, there's only 10,000 stars visible to the naked eye. And when you go to a place where there is no light pollution, really far from light pollution, you can only see 50% of them from the just the naked eye. So we cannot see tons of visible stars every night, but it feels like there's millions. So that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what I know Hawaii, about. You see a shitload, yo. They're everywhere. In Hawaii? In Hawaii, this because we're up in the mountains in Kula. So we're oh, like wow. away from like the city, like there's no lights around here. Like it's Jesus. so awesome. So awesome. Yes. And then I saw some video of people with uh, actually that camera, the Nikon P900, and they zoom in on some of those stars and they just look like fractals or like a source of energy moving. Some of them are like red blue right red blue right red and some of them are like yellow brown yellow brown some are like green blue green blue green blue and it's just changing colors and when you look at them that way it doesn't feels like you can land on them it's just feel yeah. it just <laughs> like it's either light that are in the water above the firmament or they That's stuck so in the water stars i don't know exactly but they are really impressive, really interesting. If you look at like 4K, like super zoom video from a Nikon P900 um, yeah. of stars out in, you know, in the sky, they look exactly, exactly the same as sunlight on the bottom of the pool. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, so true. So that leads wow. me to conclude or to theorize that they definitely are at least 
somewhat outside the firmament and that there is water outside the firmament. Wow. You see, wow. So we both have the same theory. They are outside. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if they're too far from the firmament, but they're basically light coming through the firmament. Wow. <laughs> they have to be coming through somewhere that is outside the firmament because you can see the flow of the water that moves. Yes. And if they were from inside the firmament, you wouldn't be able to see the flow of water because the light wouldn't be passing through the water. Exactly. And they would just be in the atmosphere, like in nitrogen, oxygen. And exactly. So they have to be outside. That's the only way it makes sense. But then how do you consider that the planets uh-huh. are inside the firmament? Maybe those are inside. I don't know. Maybe that's the, I mean, I feel like it would make sense for them to be inside. Now that being said, yes. Martin Kennedy's cosmic egg theory, back to it again, because this is really, I studied this a lot. Um, yep. It's just interesting to think like he has a lot of interesting <laughs> Yes, I love um, that subject. He, um, he notes, like I said, some of the other luminaries, like being the suns and moons of the other ones. Now I only mentioned up to Saturn. He claims that Uranus and Neptune are above the firmament both of them are above the firmament and that pluto is actually on the bottom so he describes earth as not actually flat but as a cosmic egg there being a second bottom half to earth underneath the flat center like an underworld like an underworld he calls it the great deep where it's it's basically water um and darkness and that pluto is on the bottom of the firmament underneath the firmament and that the oscillations of Uranus and Neptune up top and Pluto on the bottom, their oscillations are what give rise to the toroidal fields, which is the firmament and the toroidal fields that separate the rings. So basically he claims that an, electromagnetic, an electromagnetic field around Antarctica, which is why you can't go there, which why they protect it because they don't want you to go past it. And it's a big thing with like COVID is how like, you know, during the 2020 um, December 2020 thing where we switched things, whatever, like that alignment <laughs> master oscillation being ended is like supposedly like the toroidal field is weakened enough where you can travel between um, between rings or whatever. Um, that's his theory. And I thought it was very interesting. I mean, obviously I didn't put it to the test. It is. I didn't see it anything, feel anything too interesting on December 21st, but it is interesting that areas that are very close to Antarctica, like New Zealand, Australia are super super OD about COVID. Uh-huh. That's this is so true. So interesting, wow. really interesting to note. Yes, and this is some knowledge, so high knowledge that it's like, how do we figure that out? Like um almost feel like I don't know if it's if it's possible. Like, okay, just the theory of like an underworld. So when you read ancient uh, Tar- Tartarian texts or like uh, Mongolian texts, which is actually the, the exact same thing, um, they talk a lot about the center of the North Pole being like a swirl of water going in I've and out. In and out. This is what makes the tide. This is what makes the uh, elevation in the ocean and blah 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 everything is almost controlled by this this in and out of the water but this is a a a hole like 
So if there's a hole, it means there's an opening on the other hand. Like, what? Like, can you jump in there and then you actually die? You really drown? But actually, your the body is, or maybe the soul has no choice but to, to follow the, the water. Maybe the soul is dissolved in the water. And then you go to the underworld and then maybe you take back this body or you, you get to another one. Like, it's really interesting. Is there yeah. another world? I mean, yeah. And I feel like it would have to reflect the above world in some way. Because, um, you know, it has to be like a yin-yang type thing. But, um, I mean, there that's, are- that's something really interesting, the yin-yang. Yeah, because there's always two, right? It's a- wow, there's always zeros and ones, darkness and light. Yes. Um, yeah, so I feel like there has to be, I mean, the upper world is more light. I feel like the bottom world has to be more darkness. Um, in areas, you know, if you look at like the deepest areas of the ocean that have been explored, that like there has to be caves and stuff that goes like way fucking deep, like ridiculously yep. fucking deep, like as high as the sky goes, the ocean goes deep. Oh, um, yes. You know, there's fish and different organisms that live down there that are either bioluminescent or that thrive in the darkness. Yep. Yep. Oh, uh, this I, I saw some documentaries on that stuff, like some octopus that that are black. They're completely black. But then the, with that uh, submarine, they went in there and then the the octopus start to like uh, produce a light like a rainbow around it. And then so it started to open. Came, yeah, came close and then just uh, flew away. And then there's that other thing that I saw a guy doing a exploration with a submarine getting to a bottom, bottom, bottom. And he says, it looks like a glass. Looks like a glass. It looks like there's a reflection. And uh, I, I, I don't remember. There was something controversial about it. Like it was like a big company because if you have a submarine to go down the ocean, probably there's million in funding behind you and you are you working for national geographic or a corrupt entity mm. but it feels like he did that research for them and uh, the footage never came out and it was like a crappy video that i found uh, on youtube it wasn't like the official video it was just a crappy crappy video small sequence And uh, then some people were commenting like, yeah, this never came out blah, 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 or it came out for a year. And then they figure out it's not a good idea for people to know, like at the bottom of the ocean, it, it feels like a glass. Interesting. Yes, that would be, this would be wow, really shit, interesting. Yeah. Yes, yes. We need to rethink everything. Like the moon, it's actually producing its own light. Like what's the sun? What are the stars? What are the planets? We need to rethink everything unlearn to relearn to think about too because it's like yo if you want to be right and you want to know everything there's no fun in knowing everything <laughs> yep exactly like, it's exciting that we don't really know shit because exactly. it's like life is already pretty dope and i don't even know anything <laughs> <laughs> it is man it's so nice the uh, other question that i have is like um We have those temples, those pyramids everywhere. We know for a fact, like that's not the Freemason that builds the pyramids of Egypt just to, to fool us in thinking there was ancient civilization. 
there was actually ancient high knowledge civilization. Where are they? What happened? The, the mud flood, the great fire, blah, blah. Me, where I am in my reality, when everyone is talking about a certain subject and everyone is saying, this is it, I say, that's not yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like it had to like be a flood. The mud flood, yeah, the melted building, blah, blah, blah. Like, for me, if everyone says this, if everyone knows it, it's probably not true because the highest of the highest knowledge is really rare and hard to find. Definitely. I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know I mean, what happened with them. It's definitely interesting to see. I mean, the, the mud flood stuff is definitely legit. It definitely like there's evidence of it. Yeah. But I yeah, mean, if, like, to it. think that this society of, you know, high knowledge, you know, energy cultivating sound healing, you know, civilization <laughs> ended like 200 years ago in 1812 when the mud flood supposedly happened. That's, you know, they've done a lot in 200 years to make us forget everything. Now that, you know, they have that theory with the orphan train, you know, the orphan trains and the orphans on yeah, the so railroad and all that shit. I don't know if that all is enough for us to like literally for no one to know where they came from, because there are definitely people who know them, you know, their ancestry back more than two generations. Yes. That's what I say. Like uh, there's someone somewhere who knows what's what happened because for me, sometimes I have some theory. I wake up one morning and I say like, what about when they say those civilization live like 10,000 years ago? What about it was just like, 2000 years ago or a thousand years ago like that's that's really really close and then something happened would a mud flood remove all those civilization from the world no because a mud flood would be isolated in some places like it's not and then the great flood now they think uh, about water but there are some gigantic mountains and those people were fucking smart so they 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 knew what was happening with the universe so they would escape or so there's something really, really fucking big that happened or a natural switch because every ancient civilization believed in a cycle. So maybe they knew like, oh, the ring in that gigantic ring is moving and maybe we will just go to the outside ring because now it's time or maybe it's a reflection of the inside. We think about them because we are in a, that little petri dish in that circle right now, we think about them as the highest consciousness that, that ever walked this earth. But then maybe for them, they reached that highest level of consciousness, but for that circle, and eventually you get to the top of that circle of the highest knowledge, highest consciousness for that circle. And then you go and achievement unlocked and then you just go whoo, to the out, outer ring and then everywhere over there is just even higher and higher knowledge because there's no limit to the mind and the, the knowledge you can learn that's another theory i don't know need to go and visit them yeah i mean i have to tie it back into martin kenny's theory again because <laughs> he mentions something that's interesting to add to this um so they go, he describes Yuga ages. So this is a Hindu thing. Um, every 2000 years, um, there's golden ages, uh, s gold, silver, bronze, iron. 
Okay. And there's eight, there's eight total per like a whole Yuga cycle, like eight Yuga ages per cycle. There are five golden. And then I think it's like one of each other one. So it's like five golden ages and then a silver age, a bronze age and an iron age, or actually it's the opposite. So it's an iron age, silver age, um, yeah. or iron age, bronze age, silver age, and then five gold and then back to reset to iron. So okay. supposedly, supposedly, this is just according to that theory. Yeah, yeah. Um, 3000 years ago, we hit that reset. So it was the end of our golden age. And 3000 years ago, we hit back into the iron age, which is like an intellectual, like cosmic intelligence stone age. Um, and that's why, you know, 3000 years ago, most of those, you know, civilizations like what we hear as Egypt or, you know, Sumeria yeah. and a bunch of these other ones that like were kind of just like, where the fuck did they go? Um, <laughs> supposedly, you know, that's an explanation for it that like the consciousness of the collective is yep. in rebirthing stage it's in like it, it has to go in this way like it has to be um you know like the oneness has to has to experience separation to re-realize the oneness yep. otherwise what's the point if there was always a golden age and always peace there would be yeah. no appreciation of peace or no realization of peace um you know without chaos there is no peace without stupidity there is no intelligence exactly so <laughs> I think that there needed to be some kind of reset where it, it happens like this and that we will be back. And right now, supposedly we are now in a bronze age because we were switching from iron and last year, December, 2020, we apparently yep. now switched to a bronze age for the first time in 3000 years. And that resonate a lot with me because for years, like I would say for the last maybe five years, I kept, receiving this thought of like we're such a young race we're such a young species we're like babies like look at how much stupidity around me like uh, and then i'm looking at those pyramids and those temples and i see like look at how the how much knowledge there is and like how how high you can go in consciousness and you look at the elora cave in uh, india where they they built the temple but negatively. So they remove the stones from a mountain to build the temple. It's like, man, the consciousness can go so high, but look at us. Yeah. And I mean, it seems pretty realistic to think, oh, you froze. I'll give you a second, Moss. A catastrophic event that happened in you know, nature. You gotta, you gotta respond. You, you froze for a couple minutes. Okay, so it's like uh, I'm questioning how the reset happened. Like we reached that super high consciousness, really high level of consciousness where every civilization around the world is connected in love and the highest frequency only. And uh, we, we understand the atmospheric energy, the nuclear energy, everything is connected. And then suddenly the universe says, now it's reset time. So what happened? Is it like the we just collapse or like there's a flood or lightning kill all of us? Like I would love to know the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm asking the question, but I know there's no answer actually. Yeah, but I mean it does make sense. I mean, there is an answer. We're just not gonna hear it from uh, who the fuck knows. But like yeah. 
Um, it is interesting to think that, you know, we, you know, in a, a 24,000 year cycle, we reset and we figure it all out again. And then once we figure it all out, we restart the game you and reset all yeah. over again. And the collective is playing this game together for fun, for shits and giggles, for experience, yeah. for us to go back to being idiots <laughs> and figure it all out again and get smart again. That's, that's why we go back to for the sure. question. What's life? Uh, what's this? Right? It's pretty, it's pretty wild. And it's pretty wild. Yes. I feel like it does make sense that way, though, you know? But yep. it just happens to be, in my opinion, if this is true, unfortunate that this cycle, when we reset, that we cut down all the fucking million-year-old trees, like fucking bozos. Like, uh -huh. how, like we really got stupid, stupid. <laughs> yes. But I, I, it would make sense also that it comes with it. So every tree uh, will regrow, even if you cut a tree at the, the bottom, bottom. So it's like, yeah, you want to go to the, the lowest stupidity, then cut all the divinity, cut everything that is super high, cut everything that is high knowledge and pure, and then you will bring the, the consciousness to the lowest. Yeah, it was like whatever parasites are now feeding off humanity, like they were meant, like it's their time to shine. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And that's, that's why I say I love them. They also. have their day. They have their days, but their day where it's no longer their day will come. Yes, exactly. Every politician thinks of cycles. So if we don't have those Freemasons or that, that dark entity uh, fucking us up, programming us, putting tons of obstacles, never we will push through and become the light. And if it's always the light, then we won't have this darkness. And if there's no darkness, there's no light. So it's just start to love everything, even the darkness. Start to love what they are doing, but understand what they are doing and do the work inside. Exactly. And yes. I mean, we're even honestly taught to, to use both of those words oppositely. Like most of the things that we consider to be darkness is usually light. <laughs> most yes. dark acts are, are more light-based things <laughs> like lucifer is the light bearer like oh my god okay this is another podcast we need to keep this with a uh, tartaria uh, jusco because i studied a lot freemasonry and they think for them the darkness is the light exactly they also, go, they also go like doing bad action is good action so they just reverse everything so everything you hear yeah mainstream it, it's coming from them so it's a lie so a lie it's a truth so and that's why like the darkness is the good is the, the good is the dark exactly so this is this they, they they see the world they worship satan so for them everything bad is good the the darkness is the light so everything they say it's a lie just flip it 180 degree and you have the truth exactly they tell us earth is round we it's flat flat <laughs> <laughs> they, they tell it's us it, it's bit, it's it's static so it's it's really simple actually and uh, i think that concludes pretty much man the, this awesome topic holy jeez yeah we definitely covered a lot it's been about <laughs> three hours oh, oh my <laughs> i mean at least since we got on the phone on instagram it was that was three hours ago Wow. Um, so yeah, probably at least two and a half hours for this uh, conversation. Now it's 2 a.m. here in New Mexico. So uh I'll go to bed. I need to leave this Airbnb tomorrow. Go to bed? You mean like floor? 
Yes, I would love actually. I'm still in bed actually. I need to work oh, on okay. that. Okay, true. Yes. Yeah, so uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. This is again the Grub from the Garden podcast, episode eight, here with Wallace. Wow. This episode is sponsored by Wallace Jewelry. Yes. Yes, the, the most beautiful, pure, ancient jewelry on this earth at this moment. You contact me. I'm your brother, Wallace, and I will do a conductive material jewelry specialized for your temple. Yes, sir. Fuck yeah. Fuck you. Everybody, uh, check out the CaputoMethod.com for all things that I offer. Check out Breathwork Bootcamp, the Think Before You Drink course, all about water and urine therapy and all things hydration for the, the second pillar of the Caputo Method, rehydration. That course is going to be dropped very, very soon. Also, 27 Soft, the movement uh, breath recode course that I'm launching in collaboration with Stephen Bean is going to be launching very soon as well. That honestly is probably going to even be launched before, I think, before you drink. Um, I'm also going to be doing a cycle syncing for women uh, for their uh, infradian cycle or what people call their menstrual cycle. Um, cycle syncing program on Zoom will be launching very soon as well. So stay tuned. A lot of stuff coming out. I've been up to something a lot. So stuff is coming out soon a lot in the works so check out the caputomethod.com and check out the instagram if you haven't already at grub from the garden at g-r-u-b from the garden the best grub in the garden is the air check that out for updates on all the new stuff that's coming out hopefully instagram doesn't throw me off for you know posting <laughs> nudism and you know taking care of yourself but um yeah i think that's pretty much it breathwork boot camp starts again on january 27th signups are open now Feel free to DM me or reach out or, you know, sign up for the TCM community on Slack. If you have any questions for me about anything, especially relating to any of the programs or books or stuff that I'm launching, uh, definitely check out organic AI. I'm going to be launching a newly graphic designed version of it very soon. It's, you know, probably gonna be done within the next week or so. Um, just same book, just a, a couple things added to it, a little more detail and some topics. Um, because I originally wrote that book in like only 48 hours. So I decided to go back in and add some more details and stuff about a couple things that I felt like were a little bit incomplete or, you know, that my understanding of them evolved a little bit and it's completely getting redesigned. So nice to be pretty dope. That's like my favorite book that I ever wrote organic AI. And a lot of, con a lot of concepts that we discussed today, as far as like the sun being black and like the darkness being the source of the light and that whole duality mm -hmm. thing, um, how it relates to world religions and how it relates to a lot of things and food free muscle building and the way the body works. And a lot of things um, are tied into, you know, basically how the world is in organic computer simulation. And, you wow. know, um, I'll read it. Artificial intelligence is a reflection or a creation from our organic intelligence. It's just like, you know, we are organic intelligence and as opposed to artificial or like conventional intelligence which is yes. computer shit. So that book is super fucking interesting. I definitely want to stress how dope that book is. And like, it's like, if you buy one of my books, that's the, that's the coolest book. It's, it's, if you're trying to like learn about yourself and really just like dive deep into like learning stuff, then that's definitely your move. If you're trying to like, you know, find out about health and reverse diseases and stuff, you might want to go for cancer is dehydration or heart diseases, dehydration. Um, or honestly, just like sign up for my ease restoration program, submit an application, which is free. 
on the kabutomethod.com under the ease restoration tab or um, sign up for breath or boot camp or any of my other uh, zoom programs that are going to be launching soon. So that's pretty much everything on me. Wallace, where can we find you? I know you're on YouTube. Yes, yes every channel is uh, Wallace Spirit. So Wallace, W-A-L-L-A-C-E, Spirit on YouTube, uh, Instagram. And now the website is up. I'm selling jewelry. You have also my journey from William to Wallace from the day I arrive on Earth. We also did a podcast episode on this. I believe that was episode like two or three. Where me yes. discuss yes, that. Yes, yes. So I will be sharing those for sure, man. Thank you so much for getting me on this podcast again. It's always a pleasure. I can't wait to do another one. <laughs> yes, sir. Glad we finally got the time into a line again, too. You know that's always an issue. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, but we make it we make it happen. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so I appreciate your patience on that, Wallace, as well. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, thank you again, everybody, for tuning in and listening and you know, your attention. Wallace, thank you again for coming on here for the third episode. Yes. Thanks uh, to you, Nick. And for sharing your knowledge and for, you know, being open-minded towards everything and, you know, <laughs> enjoying these conversations with me. It's yes. love and gratitude attitude from this guy over here. So thank you, everybody. Um, this is the okay. Grow From The Garden podcast, episode eight. Much love. Peace.